I have known my next guest for almost 20 years. You would wake up every morning to his delightful voice yelling in your ear on his morning show. He's a friend of mine and a friend of the show. Abe, thanks for making the time to be here today. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. I am Zach Miller with my co-host Vance Neidig. Say hey, hi. How's everybody doing? And we are touching base with Abe Shaner today. Um, Abe, we've been kind of talking about this since Valentine's Day of this year, mm-hmm. and it's finally here. Yeah. Uh, well, and I wasn't sure, you know, obviously uh, with my background in bro- broadcasting, I wasn't quite sure what direction you were looking to go. But um, yeah, the podcast thing, obviously there are too many podcasts because everybody's got one on whatever. But uh, the idea of, hey, would you want to be a part of it? I said, sure, man, I would love to, because uh, it's something a little bit different than what I've done previously. But um, so I'm excited for it. And I'm excited to find out from you, like what what drove you to to do this? Because I know you've you've kind of had the idea of doing your podcast, but I'm just curious. We've had the idea for a long time. So Vance and I have always talked about doing our little banter back and forth about sports and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this one that you're on, the touching base one, I just wanted to be able to get, I don't think there's enough coverage for everybody in town mm-hmm. or even in just Northeast Nebraska. So we're going to be doing some stuff um, that Vance is going to bring some cool like ranchers on and, mm-hmm. and farmers. And um, I just don't think there's enough coverage for like long form coverage for yeah. people like that. And yeah. I think the the people really maybe want that. Yeah. I, I like long form interviews. Yeah. Well, and I'm not aware and, and maybe because I'm not paying attention, but is anybody else doing anything like that? In the, I mean, the fact that you can, if you can be local, I think that's where you'll really be successful with something like this is people that, hey, I, I, I know that guy or I know where she works or what she does. And I have somewhat of a connection to that person and I want to learn more about what they do or their background. Right. And that's kind of was the the whole process for this was that I, that I wanted people to know more people in town. Like yeah. we get the, you know, we got the newspaper and we got the radio, which you previously worked for. I just don't think there's, it's, it's not enough coverage of what, you know, even like our politicians. Yeah. There's a lot of people in town that probably don't know everything that Josh stands for. Yeah. Or our council members like Andrew, we had Andrew on. And sure. I think a lot of people that listened to that really gave me some feedback that they didn't realize that he owned district mm-hmm. or they didn't realize that he owned the distillery. Yeah. Like things like that. And I think it's very interesting. People kind of like that. Uh, which by the way, the only thing I care about is just having more listens than Andrew. Right. That's all I, I don't care. I don't care how this goes. I just want to beat Andrew. Well, we'll so we'll pump those numbers. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we keep track of it. Um, and obviously with us being so fresh and sure. new, it's brand new. It's been a, it's kind of a struggle to market it a little yeah. bit um, yeah i don't think we can really use some of the traditional stuff in town like i don't really yeah. think we can use the newspaper i don't think but you've like got that. to establish something too and, right. and it takes time you know i look back on i spent 25 years basically in broadcasting and, and in media and it took me a while before i ever even got to do my own morning show you know it took years and then even doing my own morning show it took years to establish that and to build an audience even with the help of, uh, you know, a radio station uh, group um, website and those other types yeah. of assets. So it, it is going to take some time um, to, to gain a following and, and build some traction. But if you're consistent at what you're doing and it's quality content, you know, quality guests and the topics, yeah. the topics are real and relevant. That's where if you can do that consistently you'll you'll get people that go hey this is worth listening to and worth following right so, and i know oh go ahead okay, i was just gonna say what are you what's your thoughts on <clears throat> so like the difference on an interview so you get somebody comes in for a radio hit they're mm-hmm. there for one or two sections so it's a bunch yeah. of really short quick stuff as fast as you can yeah and that's like we're trying to bring this where we're doing an hour two hours whatever yeah. we, it may be um what's your thoughts and 
it just seems like it's a little bit easier. It's easier flow for everybody. You probably get a little more information, get a little more personal, I guess. Yeah. Make you feel a little more human. I think, um, the challenge always, whether it's a short interview, long interview, a celebrity, someone who's well-known or someone who's maybe just, just just regular, whatever, um, the content. And one of my frustrations having worked in media I got tired of doing quote celebrity interviews because you yeah. you never got anything good, and it was so canned and so boring. And I'm not interested in talking about your latest song. Yeah, I want to talk about you, the person. I understand why some so many of those people are guarded. Um, you know, if you're somewhat well known, because you usually get trashed by yeah. whatever TMZ or take your pick <laughs> keyboard warriors. Yeah. But but to me, <clears throat> I, I thought what we're talking about isn't interesting to me. And if it's not interesting to me, it's probably not interested to my audience. To a big percentage so, of people are going to now. Yeah, so I would rather talk to someone who's lesser known or not known and have a real conversation about real topics and real issues and just be open about it and authentic versus whatever the name is in lights yeah. and it just be so canned, so boring, so guarded. To me, that was a waste of time. And so I got tired of doing a lot of those celebrity interviews or musicians or, or whomever, unless I could get them to genuinely open up. And yeah. it wasn't like I was trying to trick them or, you know, clickbait and, you know, trap them into something. But um, if we could have a real conversation and just be genuine, those are the ones that I thought, man, I love doing that. And I think people are going to enjoy listening to that. So that's my concern. We're going to, we're going to have the opportunity to have access to some of the comedians that mm-hmm. are coming through. And that, that is one of my concerns yeah. is that we're not going to get the genuine conversation yep. that we get in interviews like with you, with yeah. Andrew, with Jose that we've had. Yeah. Um, that's really my concern. Yeah. But, I, but I think, I think we might be able to get at least something. Um, you can, you can, you can only try and you can only make the attempt. You can't force somebody to open up um, if they don't want to, yeah. no, regardless of how, uh, professional, polished, friendly, inviting, warm, welcoming, all that that you try to be, you know, and, and make them feel like they're in a safe, hey, you can talk about what you want to talk about. I'm, I'm not, again, trying to, to trick you or, you know, punk you on anything. Um, so I think that's always the, the challenge is can I get the real person? Because if I can't get the real person, then Honestly, I'm not interested. Right. Agre- I agree with you wholeheartedly. And nobody wants to listen to that anyways. No. Like if you, it's just like you were saying. If you are not, if you don't like it, odds are nobody else yeah. likes it. I, if, if it's LeBron James and he's not going to give you a real conversation, it's just gonna, and it's just going to be the canned, we got to play harder. We got to do better. You know, just like yeah. the gen, like the, the, the jock talk. The same well, interview you get that you see everywhere else. Right. Like I can get that off of ESPN yeah, or Fox clip. Sports. Yeah. Like you're not giving me it. Let's talk about you, the person. Let's talk about you as a dad, LeBron. Let's talk about you you as a a husband, you know, just all those different things that I go to me, that would be way more interesting on a personal level than just the professional side of things. That's what people want to hear. And that's that's, again, where we're doing this one. I I think it's, you you said you enjoyed uh, Andrew's episode. Yeah, I did. Um, As much as I hate him. (laughs) No, I was so, uh, Andrew is one of those people and he he and I have had a relationship for a while. Um, and he didn't give me enough credit for a lot of his success, but, um, he and I, <laughs> um, all I, that free pub on the radio show, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, for somebody like Andrew, who I know is involved in so many different aspects of our community and my wife and I have been in the Norfolk area for 21 years, roughly. 
Um, and we love Norfolk. Neither one of us is from here originally. We're both Nebraska born and raised, but Norfolk really is, um, I think a spectacular place to live, raise a family, have a career, um, and have a high quality of life. I think there's a lot of great things about Norfolk. So having known Andrew as long as I have, and just the things that he's been involved with and how I, I believe he has helped to make our community better along with so many other people. Um, so it's been a blast to work with him on a professional level. Um, cause that's kind of how things started for he and I with, um, district table and tap and the comedy shows and my involvement with, with hosting those shows, interviewing some of the comedians, giving away tickets, like just that whole relationship, especially through COVID, um, that kind of just brought us together and we realized how we were helping each other, um, with what was going on at the time. That's great. That's great to hear. It's, and it's good to see people, you know, collaborating in town to make good things. I think, um, and that's something that I learned throughout my, my time in media, um, when it came to advertising, marketing, promoting, um, which is always something that I'd done to a degree and was doing more and more of as I had a better grasp on that side of things. The more that I can collaborate with other collaborators, um, the more successful both of us or all of us are going to be. The key for me, what I found out is I would rather work with people that share some of the same ideas and vision of I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to try. I'm willing to do things that no one else is willing to do. If it blows up in our face, so be it. But it's going to make us better because we're going to know what didn't work and it's going to help us find the right thing that will work. So I didn't want to waste my creative ideas, my energy, my efforts on people who were We've never done that before in uh, 50 years of our business. Well, that might be part of the reason your business is nearly dead because right. you haven't changed. So uh, I, I, didn't, I wanted to be very selective with who I collaborated with like in relation to my show as much as I could control that. Was always open to working with new people or new things, but I didn't want to waste my time on those that were stuck in the past. And um, I don't know what that is, so I'm not going to try it. It's too new. It's too scary. It's too, that's out of my comfort zone. Right. That's beautifully said, by the way. Um, I think down, downtown's obviously getting better, and we're going to get into that a little later. Um, downtown Norfolk, and as you said, the, the city is just in a, in a good spot where we're bringing in younger people, which is good. Mm-hmm. Keep the city going. You see all these cities kind of are starting to die, Yeah. Um, and we're definitely not not doing that. I, I love how many people complain about the progress that's being made yeah. in Norfolk. Because, again, my wife and I, we've been here for over 20 years. And, you know, I would say until the last five years, maybe the last, maybe it started about 10 years ago as far as the revitalization of downtown. You know, Norfolk in a lot of ways was was dead in the sense of it didn't feel like there was much to do. You know, we were a young couple when we moved here and... Um, actually got married in Omaha. And so obviously there's a lot of, whether it's entertainment or restaurants, or there's a lot of things going on in, in Omaha. And then you move to Norfolk and you go, Whoa, this is a lot quieter. Um, and so in the time that we've been here, the last, I would say the last 10 years, but especially the last five years, just talking about downtown Norfolk, there is an energy. Now there is a vibe. People will be out, you know, in the middle of the day shopping now. Yep. In, in the middle of the week. You never saw that, much less after five o'clock. You know, downtown Norfolk used to be lights out. No, There's no, no businesses were open. <laughs> Nobody was going downtown to eat or, or, or shop or hang out. And now it is so vibrant. You look at just, you know, the, the Christmas decorations. I'll use that as the example. 
Um, it looks like something out of a Hallmark movie. Like right. you want to be down there. You want to go out to eat with your family, your wife, your significant other, your coworkers. You want to go grab a drink. You want to go, go to the comedy shows, whatever it is, live music. And so there is a, to me, a huge difference of what Norfolk used to be. Not that it was, you know, some dark hole, you know, pit of hell. It was close. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but to me, we have so many good things going on and so much to be grateful for. Yes, we, there are still improvements that need to be made. But the amount of people that complain, um, you know, whether it's the River Point projects, um, you know, roundabouts, um, those, those people are going to be bitter for the rest of their lives. It wouldn't matter what was done. Yeah, and, and money has to be spent. To yeah. make things better. Yeah. Um, one of the comments I saw recently um, about, I'm trying to remember what the grant was. Um, hundreds of dollars. I'm just, I can't remember. Off the the recent grant that was. There was, but grant money being used to improve something in town. Okay. Well, the last, the last one I saw was, was it was grants to improve the facades downtown is what I saw. Okay. That's not the one. Not I, the one? That's not okay. the one that's, okay. uh, that's in my mind. But the point being is this was essentially grant money and the people complaining were go, we should be using this money elsewhere. And c clearly they didn't understand how grant money works. Yes. This for specific stuff. This is earmarked for a specific. And so it's just those types of things, people that are misinformed, underinformed or totally not informed and just don't know what's going on that always seem to complain the loudest. And, um, I think, I think that's where you have to just go. That's just noise. Ignore that noise. It's not valid. Right. Um, and you know, don't, don't get your eyes off of again, so many great things that are happening in our community. Right. So you, you grew up in Nebraska city, you said, right? Mm -hmm. Graduated oh, there. Graduated there. High school. Played basketball there. Went to high school for seven years. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally graduated. You're I, thought, I thought you looked old for your plan. <laughs> yeah, good. had a couple of kids by the time I graduated at yeah. 22. Yeah, uh, no, uh, yeah, from Nebraska City. I, I've grown up in um, Eastern Nebraska for the most part. My mom and dad, real quick. Mom and dad met in the Air Force. I was born uh, on base at Offutt. Oh, really? So okay. Grew up in Bellevue. Grew up in Omaha as a young kid. Um, then we moved to Wayne. Uh, my father is also a minister, so we moved, as he became a minister, we moved uh, a bit, uh, grew up in Wayne for a bit, and then Nebraska City is where I went to high school, graduated high school from there, and then wound up coming back to Wayne State eventually, which is where I met my wife, um, and then both of us wound up eventually getting jobs in Norfolk together. Um, she's a school teacher, and again, we've been here for 20 plus years, and Norfolk has really been a great fit for us and our family. That's great. Did you have a scholarship to Wayne? Uh, I did not. Um, I actually played my, my first year of, I loved, ba loved basketball. Uh, just always knew I was going to be one of you the, you weren't good at all. I, I, <laughs> I always knew, I always knew I was going to be one of the few, um, under six foot white guys in the NBA. I always knew <laughs> you were it was, just it was, right there. It was close. Gonna, it was going to happen. I had the same aspirations. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, no, I loved basketball. Always knew I wanted to play college basketball. And, um, I, I, I played a year at a small school in Minneapolis, North central university, my freshman year played there, um, realized, uh, because it was a private school, this is not going to be the good fit for, for me financially. And just yeah. grateful Especially to be there one year. No scholarship. Transfer, yeah. Transferred to Wayne state, walked on, uh, after I took a year, year off, walked on to what was going to be, didn't know it at the time. Um, it was Greg McDermott's last year coaching at Wayne State. It was also the most successful team he'd ever had in school history after having like four 
20 plus win seasons in a row. Like just, mm-hmm. they were on a phenomenal streak, obviously with Greg McDermott being there. And so I walked on, played very few minutes, really, <laughs> but, but I had more fun. You know, I'd always been, you know, the, the top dog, you come from a small yeah, town right. and you're the athlete and whatever. Um, and so always being the starter, being the, the main guy. And then, but I had more fun being the 12th man on that Wayne state basketball team, that record setting Wayne state basketball team because of how good that team was. Um, so many of the guys um, on that team were, were, they were great guys in addition to being phenomenal, just unreal basketball players. And so to be a part of that experience, you know, we made it to regionals, um, lost to the eventual D2 national champs, Denver Metro. Um, so just to have all that, like that experience being on that team, there were so many highs and so many great memories. And then that team, that entire team got inducted into the Wayne State Hall of Fame. The entire team. The entire team. Wow. So I always tell my wife, hey, don't forget, you I'm a fall hall you're famer. married to a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and she always reminds me, yes, but I have a master's degree. So, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That is great. So then you you said you worked at uh, two radio stations while you were in college. Yeah. So, um, and that's kind of where I got my taste accidentally in in broadcasting because that wasn't anything. The two things that I was going to do with my life, I knew that I knew it was, I, if, if for some reason I didn't get drafted at in, in the lottery. I, I don't know how that didn't happen. In the NBA. I still don't know You'd how be it, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> undrafted I, free agent. If for some reason I went undrafted. You in were the, the MVP of Noonball, though, so right. you got that. <laughs> Rec ball legend. Yeah. Uh, I knew if I didn't make that dream, I knew for certain I was going to be in, in some sort of kick-ass rock band that was just gonna just <laughs> i can see that destroy the world with our music i always because were you were you ever in a band uh yeah i was oh, okay and music music was uh, one of those things that even early on as a kid like i grew up in the 90s so hip-hop was when i yeah. grew up like that was the explosion of hip-hop and so that that whole like hip-hop scene like just i i wanted to be in music uh, loved rap music, loved rock. But uh, so anyways, I knew music was going to be my other career option, you know. Um, it's an easy fallback. Yeah. Neither, rock star. <laughs> neither <all> star. <laughs> High aspirations. Yeah. Neither one came true. But anyways, getting back to, to college. So I accidentally, um, after I, I focused on music, um, my first year in college in Minneapolis and was a music major. I was, I was studying music theory, vocals, uh, music production, like all of that. And quickly realized there are insanely talented people in this business who never make it. Um, and I go, there's no way I'm ever going to make it. Um, and I didn't want to do like the music production side. Cause then I realized how detail oriented that was. And I go, I do not want to be in a studio mixing music for 12 hours a day. Right, That's yeah. not what I want to do. So I switched, um, when I switched schools, um, and transferred to Wayne state, I took one of those intro classes, you know, they're like, Hey, you need to figure out what you want to do. Um, and not just, you know, be here at college for eight years. <laughs> and so I took an intro, intro to mass communications, which introduced me to radio, television, print media at the time. Digital media was, was still kind of an unknown. It was just coming about, but we really didn't know what digital media was going to be at the time. Internet, same thing was still kind of fresh, but I took an intro class, uh, got a taste of all of that and immediately loved the radio part of that. I love the, the live aspect of radio. I love the the spontaneity of it. Also the music was huge because I love music. And so being able to play all kinds of different music 
So yeah, I started working at the, the college radio station K92, uh, where the squirrels come to rock was the <laughs> motto at the time. Because <laughs> there's, so, there's so many squirrels on campus. But anyways, I don't think I don't think it's <laughs> where, where the squirrels, where the come, squirrels to come to rock. And then also started working at KTCH, which is the local AM FM station um, in Wayne, and is still still there. But um, yeah, so I I got involved with as much radio as I could uh, because I loved it so much. It was like so I just discovered what I was supposed to do. Like you found your calling. Yeah. And then I accidentally kind of fell into that. That was never part of my plan or part of what I thought I'd be doing. That's great. So then after that, you said you got married in Omaha. Yeah. So my wife and I, she's uh, born and raised from uh, Wayne, America. We met again at Wayne state and then got married because she was already working in Omaha. She's um, a cougar. She's a little bit older than me, likes the younger guys. (laughs) And, uh, I, I love to go cougar hunting. So, right. Yeah. So, I, I know that so about you. She, by the way, my wife is like an angel. Like She's a great woman. Pe- yeah. People have always asked, especially with, with me being a, a, a public personality, so to speak, what is your wife really like? And my wife truly is a sweetheart. She's an elementary teacher. She is like... Um, uh, not pure and innocent, but just very proper. She likes things to be orderly, proper. She's she's not one who's going to be. You're going to find her, you know, swearing uncontrollably, or um, she she dresses really well. And I mean this in all the nice ways. I don't mean like as in a stuck up or right. uptight way, but just very proper and just very. Uh, she's an angel. So, so you guys uh, are kind of opposites then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, we got married um, in Omaha because she was already working down there um, teaching, and I thought for certain since I was graduating with my, my broadcasting degree, I go, yeah, I'm going to work at Sweet 98. I'm going to work at, you know, um, local, local radio station, KFAB, whatever, work my way up and then do my own morning show. I always wanted to do my, my own morning show is what I wanted to do. Well, at the time when I graduated, there were like zero broadcasting jobs anywhere. Like no one was hiring. Nobody uh, in Omaha at all. Yeah. No, like boom, there was nothing. And so, um, I had to get a job like, you know, so, um, West Point, uh, so I was applying like all over the state. West Point, it was like the only one that called me back and then, you know, wound up getting hired there. So we moved to West Point, um, right away. Um, cause my wife quickly realized too, that she didn't really want to teach in the Omaha Millard area. And so, um, yeah, moved to West Point, stayed there for a year before both of us then got jobs in Norfolk. She got hired with uh, Norfolk Public Schools, and we've been here ever since. That's great. And then you, so you started at 106 Kicks, right? No, I actually started uh, US 92. So oh, when, so I didn't know that. Yeah, so, so, new. so when, when we first moved here, um, and I'm trying to remember how I even got... Got that job. I don't even remember how I got that job. I mean, I applied for it. It's not like they were just... <laughs> <I'm dead. not laughs> like they didn't just, just give it to you? Like, hey, come yeah. on, you weren't pulling Kamala Harris no, stuff, were you? No, no, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember how it came came about that we both... Anyways, we both got jobs here. Um, and may, maybe it was because... Maybe it was because she got hired by NPS, Norfolk Public Schools, that I go, okay, you I, need, I, need, I need to find a job in, in Norfolk, not be working in Wayne or West Point. So anyways, yeah, US 92 was the first uh, radio job I had here in town. But then also they had that partnership with KTIV Television, right? which worked really good for me because I had a little bit of that taste and experience while I was in college. And so um, I look back at this now and realize how insane this was. I would work three days a week doing radio in Norfolk work two nights out of the week doing TV in Sioux City and would drive back and forth. Really? So I would do the 10 o'clock news in Sioux City, 
I didn't know this about I you. I did not know that. Do the 10 o'clock news. <laughs> get out of there sometime after 1030, closer to 11 yeah. sometimes, and then drive that hour and a half back to Norfolk um, and then do radio the next day and then flip-flop and then, you know, drive back up there wow. to do TV <laughs> at night. So, like, that was just a totally – but I was getting the best – experience a little bit of both in both and and i was doing a lot of news i was doing a lot of sports coverage um in addition to doing like radio you know music and hosting a a, a radio show so i was getting all that great experience as a young broadcast professional which which all of that was going to help me in the long run with my career did you enjoy doing tv I did i didn't enjoy it as much as radio but i did it for a couple years and i was glad to have done it um even the sports I didn't like it as much as I thought I would because it, it's so produced. TV is such a different animal. Um, Teleprompters and... Yeah, and and like there isn't the spontaneity. There isn't the live interaction um, like you can do on a radio show, which I always felt like not only was that what I wanted to do, but I always felt like I was good, like spontaneous and, and instant reactions. Really? You spontaneous? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no way. And so when when a lot of that, you know, you're just not able to do that in in television because of the the structure of it. And um and also being on camera. Like I didn't really care about that part. Like that's a major part of TV. And if you don't want to be on camera, and I didn't want to be a camera operator or be like a you know, a copywriter behind the scenes and writing news stories all the time. And so I did it, uh, enjoyed, again, the experience for a couple of years, got a lot out of it. But the more I did it, the more I go. And probably another big part of that was I was a U.S. bank murder uh, trial court reporter. Ooh, so the U.S. Bank, a real fun one. So the US bank murders that happened here, um, I covered a number of those trials and was like the courtroom reporter. Really? And so that part of it- I didn't you know, know that when, either. When you're covering things like that, you know, major crimes, um, you know, there'd be other crimes, whether it was in the Sioux City area, you know, whether it involves children or sexual abuse or assault. I mean, just hardcore stuff that you just go, ugh. This that probably is, took this a toll fun. on you, huh? It does. And I think, and I think that was a big part of it too, is, is covering those types of things. And then you'd have your fluff pieces and your, you know, your sports reporting, which was always more lighthearted, obviously. But I think that was a big part of it, especially the U.S. bank trials. I just go, I, I can't do this anymore. And I at least need to take a break. Like I, I never was like, I'm done with TV. And I'm never doing TV again, but it was just like, uh, this is not the route. And some people really like, I think it's kind of like the same lines of like being a, a lawyer or a prosecutor. You need people that are willing to do those jobs, but it takes a certain individual or, or defense attorney. Yeah. A I crime mean, scene investigator. Have- you know, uh, I mean, there's, there are some serious, um, jobs that you're dealing with some hardcore stuff, but it takes a certain individual that is able to do that process that, and you have to compartmentalize that to a degree as well. So anyways, yeah, I, I just, um, I gravitated more towards the radio sides of things and knew that's what I wanted to pursue. I want my morning show. I want to do a show my way. You've done a lot of stuff. I, I didn't realize the, both of those things, the TV and, doing, yeah. and covering the, the U S bank stuff. That was, that's, that's very, very interesting. Yeah. I, I would like to, I don't want to go into that a whole lot right now, but maybe sometime we should, yeah. I'd love to talk about the U.S. Yeah. Bank stuff, because that was 2002, right? Uh, I think you're right, yeah. Because yeah, it was it was 9-11 in <clears throat> yeah. 2001, and then the year after, because yeah. I, I was in junior, yeah. junior high yep. when all that happened, and I was, it was just two years of just hell. Yeah, I was yeah. In high school. But yeah, it's crazy. It was a long time it was ago. crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 did, I did that for a couple of years, and then uh, <clears throat> left from U.S. 92, uh, and actually went to w- 
the the same group of stations that owns 106 Kicks is WJG, uh, 780 AM, yep. and then uh, K- the KEXL now 97.5. So those three stations. So I wound up going over to WJG, which was a different animal for me because AM radio is very different in a lot of ways. Is it is more talk oriented. Which, again, I was still early in my career. That helped me because I had to develop a lot of my my verbal and communication skills versus just playing music or focusing primarily on the music. And so being able to interview, being able to talk about news topics and, you know, again, getting out of my comfort zone with whether it was politics or local issues or opinion pieces, um, it really developed uh, some of those skills along with the news writing aspect of, you know, can you write a news story with legitimate content, not just your opinion or your thoughts, but it's got facts, it's got data. You've actually interviewed someone and done research on that topic or those concerns. Is there more time constraints on FM radio than AM radio? Like, is there more advertising or is it kind of the same? I think it depends on what the format of the station is um, and what the goal of the of the the station is of the content right right i just um, didn't know if there was more time for more talking it was it was just more talk oriented because there was no songs being played yeah and yeah. that was the focus you know of of that station still is wjg is still a news talk format so i think yeah just it, that's driven by who are we trying to reach what type of audience are we looking to get the one question i always wanted to ask you and I, i'm sure we had one at one time but there is no um, AM radio news show based out of Norfolk, right? There's no talk show um, on... I'm not... I, I know that conversation has been had, but it takes the right person. And this is another This is another thing. You have to have people that are willing to come on and, and talk about the issues. Um, and I think, unfortunately, not a lot of people are willing to do that. Um, I'll use my show as, as an example. I would, during COVID, I would not daily, because that would have been stalker-ish. <laughs> I called either Dr. Thompson, Norfolk Public Schools, um, Principal Impenson, Ben Reese, the athletic director. Um, who else would I talk to on a frequent basis during COVID? Um, there were some other um, staff and administrators with Norfolk Public Schools because I wanted to know what's going on, what's the yeah. latest. And I want it from you because I don't want to hear, I don't want social media. I don't want to hear it from someone else. I want to, I'm trying to get the best information possible. So I need to talk to the school administrator. I need to talk to, uh, the superintendent. I need to hear it from you so that I'm sharing legitimate information. I don't want, I don't want to be given my audience, my opinion or hearsay from anybody else on COVID and what Norfolk Public Schools is or isn't doing. But um, wanting to get that information correct, um, my point being, if those people aren't willing to open up and be on my show because they know there's going to be blowback either way. There's no show. There's no show. And and it's that same way with doing a local, whether it's a podcast or if people aren't willing to open up because, and you'll have, you know, if you're on um, school board or city council, you're also most likely a local business owner. Or you've got things to lose. You've got things at stake. And a lot of people aren't willing, and I can understand why. It's unfortunate, but they're not willing to put themselves out there because they go, well, what's the blowback going to be? It's hard to it's hard to risk burning bridges. And, mm-hmm. and a part of that's on the people volunteering or doing whatever. I mean, they're risking to help. You know, it's service. Service, yeah. basically, is what you're doing it on a on a board or yeah. uh, council or anything like that. And a lot of people will just take it 
personal. So, yeah. well, you don't like what they do publicly as a servant, and then I'm going to go destroy them in yep. their private lives. And I, it takes a special person that I don't really care about that, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. But then maybe we need to fix the culture and not, we need to not be doing that to people and just yeah. realize, hey, everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. You yep. know, they're, you're going to, you're going to alienate 50% of your people basically, no matter what yeah. you do. And I think it is that fear that, unfortunately drives a lot of people or prevents a lot of people from doing things like that or other things. I think early, I was either too dumb, too arrogant, or didn't know better (laughs) (laughs) because there was an element of fearlessness to what I did a lot of the times. And the more experienced I got, the more fearless I became. That really bothered some people, not my audience, but people in authority. People right in the church. Whether it was, ownership of the radio station, whether it was, um, local school administrators, um, people in positions of power and influence. I know because of how many comments, feedback privately and publicly, I had plenty of meetings behind closed doors of, and so I knew that, but I also knew the risk is if I'm not willing to talk about these topics and be genuine with these topics, I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm doing my audience a disservice because then again, I'm just, you're not being real to yourself and I'm just, and I'm just doing what's safe instead of willing. Are you willing to be the one who I'm going to step out on the ledge? Nobody else is. And one, one thing that comes to mind right away is um, David Kitchener, the comedian. He got popped for a D two DUIs right before the great American comedy festival. I was the only local media presence to talk about it at all. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't in the paper, wasn't on News Channel Nebraska, wasn't on any other radio station, website. No one else even reported it. Yeah. As soon as I, and do you know where I found out? I found out on Yahoo. <laughs> so it's already over all over the internet. It's not like this was, you know, secret knowledge. Secret. Right. And when I found it, I go, how come I haven't heard about this? <laughs> right. He's the headliner at the Great American Comedy Festival in less than two weeks and just got popped for his second DUI right. in like a matter of weeks. <clears throat> Clearly the guy has a problem. But I said, if now how come we're not talking? As a media, that's our job yeah. is to report the news. That's news. You don't have to give your opinion on it, but you got to let people know. So one of the things I said is, where's everybody else at on this? So what if he sexually assaulted a woman? Would you, would you mention that or would you not mention that? Would he still be coming to the Great American Comedy Festival if he molested a child? Right. Take yeah. your pick of whatever the crime. He committed a crime twice. Right. And you're not mentioning the fact that he committed a crime? And that's where I said, and, and this is what I said, what I said at the time and repeatedly. I've got nothing to hide. What are you hiding? US 92, News Channel Nebraska, yeah. Norfolk <clears throat> Daily News. Who is my parent company? I commend you for doing that. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's what we're trying to do with this podcast yeah. too. Is get, is but get things out there. But that also came at a cost. I'm sure it did. And people don't. They either don't know that it came at a cost or don't care. Don't care. But if you're not willing to support the people that are willing to talk about the truth and what no one else is willing to talk about, there'll never be truth. You're not going to hear the okay. truth anymore. Yep. So that it, that was a great lesson for me, and it wasn't like I was trying. Once I found out that everyone else was trying to keep it a secret, that pissed me off. Yeah, I, I kind of remember a little bit about they were it. actually trying to keep yeah. it a secret. Oh, yeah. Because Norfolk Daily News, 
is also one of the major sponsors for the Great American Comedy Festival. It came down to dollars. We can't we can't allow that and to we go had, bad. We had conversations behind closed doors with management and ownership, and I said, it is our duty to report the news, not to be selective when it benefits us. I've noticed that a lot. It's sad to hear. It's sad to hear. And I, so that that lack if if you want to talk about integrity, then have integrity. Right. But don't talk to me about integrity when it doesn't help you right. and your bottom line. Right. So uh, it, there were times where it was difficult for me being as fearless as I was. I still had to be careful about, okay, how am I going to address it? It has to be addressed. I'm not scared to address it, but I have to be very careful of how I talk about that. Um, but that only made me sharper and only made me better. I'm still going to talk about it. But it, it's also, it helps you sleep. I mean, otherwise, like, it it eats at you when you know you're, it's still lying, lying by, by omission. Yeah. But, I mean, you're hiding it. That's the same thing as lying. Yep. And it's just, I get what you're saying. Like, if you know it, why am I, I, I have to do something yeah. just because otherwise I'm not going to be able to sleep with myself, that, that type of thing. And I think... Um, I didn't, this, this wasn't my intent at the time. And there were other instances like that. All it did was make me more popular. Yep. All it did was because it gave people me, respect that it gave me more credibility. It gave me more authenticity and it gave me, Oh damn, he's willing to do what no one else is willing to do. Right. That's what and, I was going to say. Yeah. Cause I, that's what I'm commending you for because it, it made you more popular and they had to, whether they wanted to get, I don't know if they want to get rid of you or not, but they had to keep you. All the, it, the all, public would have just uproared. All it did was piss more of them off. Right. Because <laughs> they're like, damn it. He did, right. it, he did it again. Yep. <laughs> he did, did it and beat us But I, it. I think there's something, um, there's something in that about, and you can take whatever you do in life about, am I doing what is right? Um, there is right and wrong. And, and many times doing what is right will come at a personal cost. It may affect your business. Oh, yeah. It may affect your relationships or your status. But if if you are willing to do what's right, um, I think in, in the end, that is so much more, not just because you can sleep better, um, but because you have your integrity. You have... Because if you're willing to compromise on whatever it is, you're always going to compromise. That compromise gets bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And then you got to keep your values. You're willing to go further, and you're willing to go. Well, this is justifiable. That's we kind of had well a little said. conversation on our last podcast, me and him, about right and wrong. And mm -hmm. yeah, we did right and wrong, and, and this what exactly what you're talking about is what took me so long to start this mm. because because of that fact yeah. of I've got a business. Yeah. How am I going to get perceived? Yeah. And then I finally just said, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. It's kind of what I said. I'm yeah. like, I want to do this. People need to hear things, whether I get, we get big or not. And, yeah. this, and this goes, but I think it's, it's something that needs to be done. That's not being done. Yeah. So I commend you for what you did. It's great that you did that. Um, and you did it a lot. It wasn't just that. Oh that yeah. Piece. Yeah. And, and the, and the longer, um, I, I did, you know, my, my broadcasting 25 years, not just the smarter I became, because sometimes you have to use discretion of, um, I don't know, um, I know 60% of this story. I'm not going to talk about it yet because I need to get more information. You need to verify it. And I need to make certain before I talk about it, I know what I'm talking about, what's factual, what's opinion. And so being more selective, being more guarded. But then once I've got all the pieces, it's a thousand miles an hour forward. Like we're, we're going to light this stick of dynamite, throw it, and then 
run with it. That's great. And so and there's great freedom in that, but there also, you have to have that there's a responsibility like, and that was something that I didn't understand at first is the responsibility as a member of the media, but also as I became more less of a journalist, even though I had all those skills and used those skills, less of a journalist and more of an entertainer. I always wanted to be um, not right in the sense of my opinion is right, but right in the sense of I got the information right. I got the the story correct. And and if you do that, then you again, you maintain your integrity and people people go, I know that I maybe don't agree with what he's saying, but at least I know he's, he's being from- truthful and honest. I maybe don't like it, but at least I, I can still trust that what he's saying is accurate. He's coming from a good baseline. So we, we know that it's good information. Yeah, so. not just making stuff up <laughs> yeah, or right. just spewing my opinion. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah. So That's great. I, and I, I love your outlook on it too. Um, yeah, you're saying what you're saying, but you you know it's truth. It's all truth. Yeah, one of the, um, I think the toughest times like of, of doing what I did was during COVID for a couple of different reasons. Um, part of it, I recognized um, after, I don't know, maybe a couple months, how, how everything that changed with, with COVID, how like my attitude had changed. And I'm usually a pretty like joyful, positive. Very much so. You know, most of the time, pretty energetic, like life is awesome. Like let's live it to the, it's like you've been living on speed forever. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I recognized after a couple of months, like my attitude sucks. I'm angry. I'm irritable. You're talking to this is during, during COVID. COVID. Yeah. Like I could tell, and not just on my show, but like in my personal in life. life, like I'm being a dick to people. I'm being I think a lot of people were, I went through a yeah. period where it was, that was just rough. Like, yeah. It's hard on everybody. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, and then I go, and then that started to seep into like what I was doing on the show. Like I was being mean to people. I was, you know, like, and not like in a fun way, right. but like, so anyways, um, and all of that was new for all of us, but then recognizing, whoa, I got to make some changes. I got to get my head right. Cause I do not want to keep doing this personally or professionally. Um, but I was also angry once I got my head right. I was angry about what I felt like we're making all the wrong decisions um, individually and corporately, whether it was we're canceling school activities, we're shutting down. Um, I thought the, the, what we're doing to try to fight COVID, the pandemic, um, was worse than the illness itself. The actual pandemic. Like, like, like the, the psychological, uh, effects, the emotional effects on children and adults. And those and, are still coming out. And we're still learning more about the damage that was done. And that was the part that was really angering to me. And I, and I put my foot down and I said, whether it's on my show or in my personal life, I am not going to be bullied by COVID or some of these, you know, whether it was wearing masks or um, some of the, the things that were going on locally with schools and businesses. And it, it wasn't like I was trying to break the law, but I go, we have got to start doing better yep. together because what we're doing is we're making it worse and we're, we're causing more issues by some of the restrictions and, and, and actions that we're taking. So one of the questions I was going to have for you, I'm glad you brought this up was because I wanted to know, were you in any way told what to say about it? Did you have any hot button topics that you were told you had to talk about COVID? Could you not say certain things on the radio? Could no, you- um, there wasn't any, any restrictions like that. And especially I think early on when a lot of, us, even, you know, CDC and medical professionals didn't know what to do. We were simply 
on a local level, just trying to provide what's what's the latest update from whether it was social distancing or, um, you know, what what ages is this affecting? What what people is this affecting more? And just trying to give the correct information. But I know it didn't take long before a lot of people, there was just fatigue of hearing information. Like you just got tired of COVID. You just got tired of hearing about. Well, I know early on, even nationally, I I guess I didn't, <clears throat> it's probably my fault. I probably didn't hear you during COVID during that time, but like they weren't giving ages really on there. It was just a general number of death. Mm-hmm. Like, well, may, maybe it's more important to yeah. know the ages because yeah. if there's nobody under the age of 50 dying, yeah. what am yeah. I sitting in my house for? Yep. And then there were so many conflicting stories and that was another source of frustration for me. Again, as a member of the media, you know, different media sources would say one thing, other media sources would say the exact opposite. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, and I, and especially with what I was doing at the time, I was trying to consume as much information as I could, again, to share that publicly yeah. with the audience and to, you know, let, let's not just be looking tunnel vision, but let's have, what's the big picture here? But when you had so many different conflicting sources of information, the How CD- do you find the right one? CDC couldn't make up their mind. Dr. Fauci couldn't make up his mind. The administration couldn't make up their mind. And they'd say one thing, and then a week later, it would be the exact opposite. And you're going, wait, you just told me not to do that. Now you're telling me to do that? And I know you're that type of person to do a lot of the research. And we talk about this on our other podcasts, useless assumptions that we always try to make sure we get both sides of the story. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at one source yeah. of information to make sure we're... You know, we're going to give the right information, yeah. like you said. Yeah, and it's just it's just crazy that not many people do that. So I'm, I'm, it's great to hear that when you were giving information, you were trying to get as much information before yeah. you gave it out to the public. And a lot of that comes down to laziness. Is people are too, la- and it's not like it's extremely difficult. Um, I mean, we've got these things in our hands. <laughs> yeah, um, but trying. I think that was another. Um, reason why I was able to do what I did for 25 years is because I was willing to do things that the majority of other DJs or radio shows were too lazy to do. Wasn't because I had the best voice. Wasn't because I had the, all of the best, whatever. You've got a beautiful voice. I do have a beautiful voice, but, but no, I was, I was simply willing to outwork the competition. And I think again, that's something that translates to any job or industry simply by your hard work you're going to be better than 80, 85% oh, yeah. of the competition if you're willing to work for it. That's, that's that's basically what America was founded on is meritocracy. Yeah. And it, it's going away, and that's kind of an it. That's a lot of big issue in every yeah. industry. Much less if you actually have any skill, talent, or creativity in that field of business yeah. or whatever you're working in. So for me, it was always about I'm ever I treat every every day is the Super Bowl. Every day on my show is the Super Bowl. I am preparing Every day I would, I would do the prep. I would do hours of, I'm looking for the stories, whether it was something funny, entertainment wise, it's news, it's hardcore, it's local, it's national, but I would do hours of prep work each day before tomorrow's show. And then tomorrow morning, going to refine all that. And again, get the latest updates so that when I pop the mic, 6am locked and loaded, it's the Super Bowl. So but did you're you, that every day. I'm sorry. You're that every day, no matter what, whether it was for the show or not. Yeah. You're, you're just, you're just good. You're, you're, I don't even know how to describe it. You have so much energy. energy. It's, it's nuts. And you, you project that like anybody around you, if they're not having fun, I don't, then they've (laughs) got, they've got a problem. Yeah. Something wrong with, and I know that gets annoying to people, uh, even like, uh, whether it was, it's my personal life or professional life. 
Um, and there's times where I'm down or I'm quiet. You know, I'm, I, it's not like I'm at that speed every, every minute of every day, but I think that is contagious. And like, if you're around people who are like that, it motivates you to be more, to be better, to be stronger. And that's what I tried to do over the course of time with my show is I want to not inspire you because that, that seems really cheesy. That seems like a bad Hallmark movie. That's not cheesy. But provoke you in a good way. Not provoke you to, to like be pissed off at the world, although there are things we should be pissed off about, but provoke you and also to engage you, whether it was intellectually, emotionally, or physically, to go do something like... I can start, I can plant the seed, I can, I can start that, but what you do with it after that is up to you. So, you know, I think that was one, one thing that I wanted to accomplish, and I think I did that for the most part. And again, that just helped build momentum, that just helped grow, because I think more and more people were experiencing that of, hey, thanks for making me think about that, or thanks for giving me that little nugget. Well, again, it could have been something funny, could have been something truthful, meaningful, you know, but thanks for giving me something that it, I had to think about that. Bring some, <clears throat> bring some ideas to their mind. I mean, everybody's got buku things going on in their world. They got, they don't have a lot of time to do stuff. Like we look at news stuff you were doing in your show and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people just in one ear out the other, but then yeah. you might strike a chord with somebody and like, yeah. well, maybe I need to go look into this and yeah. see what's going on really. And I think that was also, if I can get you to act on it, then I did my job. Yep. Whether it was go click and read, go talk to the city council, go talk to your school board. If I can act, get you to call in, I got you to, to the show to act. Yep. I got you to act off of what we were talking about. What whatever it was, something sparked a chord. Yeah, to get if you I to could, do if I could get you to react in a physical or intellectual way, then I did my job. If I got you to laugh, Perfect. I got you to cry. I got you angry, but it was for the right reasons. Or you know, I love to troll the trolls. I love. <laughs> we like that too. I love to. We're at, we we keep asking for trolls. Yeah, and we don't get any. Uh, yet, but you we will. will. But we will. again, if you if you're open and honest, you will. It it, it doesn't take much to get trolls. I know it doesn't. It's so, easier to get trolls than fans. Yeah. the The challenge is is to um and I I learned this uh, the hard way. It took me a long time. Is to not take certain things personal. Um, because when you do. You want to be uh, popular or well-liked or you want things to grow. You want your business to grow, but you can't take some of those things personal. Those people are, like we said, they're always pissed. They're always angry. They're always complaining. Doesn't matter what good happens in their life. They're always upset about something. That's a good piece of advice. Um, we, we talk about balance a lot on this show. It's a big word on this show. Um, you had shows every day. And then you also had a lot of events you had to attend on the weekends. Mm -hmm. How did you balance that with kids at home and your wife, just life in general? Yeah, I think um, to their credit, you know, my my job, my employers gave me the freedom um, because it was necessary. You know, if I if, if I had, let's just say, did my show in the morning and then needed to be at an event in the afternoon or let's say later that night, like a county fair or a concert, you know, I'd have time off in between. Um, but I think they realized I needed that and others that, that work that schedule. You need that because you can't go from 5 a.m., 4 a.m. to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night over and over again. I mean, your body just can't yeah. do that. Um, and so that was a challenge, but it also gave me the freedom to and the flexibility with, with our family to be at those events. You know, I don't feel like I missed out on, on my kids' 
you know, activities. For the most part, I was able to be at those events, be involved with um, their lives. You know, I feel like, you know, my relationship with my wife, I've, I've said this publicly, it's not a perfect marriage, but it's a healthy marriage. That's what you want. Yeah. Perfect, perfect marriages aren't, if you say the word perfect, that's not it perfect. It makes me think of Facebook and the people that are always only posting just the positive. Beautiful. Oh, you're so wonderful. Yeah. Thank I you think so you're much. so fake. Right? I agree. <laughs> like, my There's wife nothing and I, perfect. Yeah. No, but like we, we have arguments and not like knockdown, but like. You should have arguments. But we have arguments frequently. Yeah. Some are shorter, some are longer, some are louder, some are quieter. <laughs> but I, I would say we have a healthy marriage. It is, it is a. We've been married uh, 22 years. I almost screwed that up. Old man. <laughs> 22 <laughs> years. Um, but th- but that relationship was always important uh, for me to take care of. My my wife and then our, our, our two boys. Um, and there were times, especially early on, that I didn't do a good job because I was so hungry to trying av- to grow to yeah. advance myself and, you know, driving again to Sioux City and, you know, stuff like that. Um, it, it definitely, that, that put a strain on our relationship early on, but I'm glad I figured it out eventually and didn't make any of those major mistakes that I can see why divorce is so high. Um, it's not, very, very high right not, now. Not just in, not just in media, but just in general, it doesn't matter what type of job yeah. you, you have or do or how much money just, I see why that happens. Um, unfortunately to so many people. And, and the fact that you guys were arguing means that you were communicating, mm-hmm. which is a huge piece <laughs> of it. It's, I mean, it is, it really is. It's funny. It's funny because it, it happens so often. My job was a professional communicator, right? Right. right. But I sucked <laughs> so bad <laughs> and still do to a degree yeah. with communicating with my wife. And, and it's something that her and I have talked about. And she's Is like, it like getting your point across? Or like, what, what, what do you think you're, you're struggling um, in there? No, I, th- I think it's the, you assume your significant other knows you well can enough. Read, can read your mind, yeah. basically. I see, like, what I do you see mean? where you're going we've with been, there. We've been married 10 years. How are you still screwing this up? <laughs> um, well, you've never told me about uh, it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think so, you should know. I think those are some of the natural things that happen between husband and wife is you, unfortunately, you assume and you take it for granted. You just go, she knows what I'm talking about or he knows what <clears> I need. And, and you just, you, you have that familiarity yeah. and don't actually communicate it. So a lot I, of people don't, you'd be no, surprised. But, um, I've told my wife many times, you know, babe, I'm sorry, but my, my best language is body language. So that's I say the <laughs> same thing. I'm, I'm physical touch, babe. Yeah, you got to talk to me with your hands. <laughs> that's the only way I'm going to so, understand. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. So the, the radio was a big part of your life. Yeah. Uh, I never thought I would do it that long. You know, I'm 45, so I did it for more than half my lifetime. I mean, essentially my Isn't entire- Isn't that crazy to think about, though? It is. And I didn't really think about it until the very end. Like, oh my God, I, I've done this for 25 years, um, which which- I never thought I was going to do that. You must long. have enjoyed it. I did, and I feel very grateful uh, for that time in my life. Uh, I feel um, there were so many great experiences, um, even some of the bad ones. I still look back and go, "That actually was a good experience," even though it sucked at the time. Like, like a learning experience, or yeah. More learning like- it taught me about life. It taught me about people. It taught me about myself. It taught me about um, how to manage my feelings, emotions, even bigger scenarios. Um, and so I feel fortunate for, for all of that and feel very grateful that I was able to do it for 25 years and to be as whatever level of, of success it was, 
you know, I, I looked at moving. Um, I would I, say I, you were a pretty big I, success. Well, I think so in uh, locally, but like um, people go, well, how, how good was your show if you never, you know, made it out of Norfolk? You know, and I, I looked at moving a couple times, whether it was Omaha or, you know, yeah. Sioux City or, or, or larger markets. But uh, the the satisfaction I got out of, of doing the show wasn't based on how big of a market I was in or how big of a town I was in. It was, what am I doing on the show? And I knew, for example, if I were to go to Omaha, I knew there would be certain things I wouldn't be able to do because they wouldn't give me the freedom. And the more that I contemplated that, because there were a, a couple of instances in particular where like we were seriously contemplating moving, I go, do I want to sacrifice the control and the freedom to do what, I, what I'm doing now just to make more money but not be able to do the same type of show? And, and then I go, I don't want to do that. I would rather have the freedom and the control. And to make, do what you want to do. Yeah, and make less money. Um, and, and that was, uh, you know, I had to, had to contemplate that. I had to think about that. So, no, and, and again, uh, because the quality of life that we have in Norfolk was so good, uh, my wife and I had that conversation. It would take a lot for us to ever leave this town. I still don't have any plans of leaving Norfolk. Um, but but uh, my personal success, um, and I think this is where we get it wrong a lot of times, is we go bigger is better. More is better. Whether it's money, it's benefits, it's my house, or I think that's a mistake that we make a lot of times instead of going, why am I not satisfied? Why am I not grateful? Why do I feel like I've got to have more? And so finding, finding that um, happiness and contentment and going, that's enough. My house is paid for or my car is paid for or I don't always have to have the newest, latest, and greatest. Um, and finding joy in what I was actually doing. And that was, for me, um, yes, I like money, but money w wasn't the motivator for what I was doing. I wanted to explore um, all those places you weren't supposed to explore and the things that you weren't supposed to talk about, whether it was homosexuality, it was religion. I mean, I broke as many rules as I could possibly break when they teach <laughs> you in yeah, when yeah. they teach you in broadcasting of don't ever bring this up on your show or don't ever talk about this. And I go, that's dumb. That's exactly what I, I want to talk about. Talk about it. That's yeah. how, that's how you get people to listen. Yeah. You got to talk about the things that are like if somebody's just listening to the radio at work and they just they just have it on. Mm -hmm. You say a key word and they're like, whoa, yeah. I'm, I might actually listen yeah. to this. Yeah. Thing. The day that we talked about it, it was related to Duck Dynasty, and I don't remember the full story, but uh, the topic was homosexuality. Um, and I can't remember the full story about, it was something that happened with one of the duck dynasty guys. And I can't remember if it was an interview they did or something that happened on the show, but it inflamed a lot of the conversation about homosexuals, um, gay lifestyle, just that, that whole topic. And so, you know, here I am going, okay, how am I going to talk about this? Because duck dynasty was, had a huge tie in at the time because of TV and because to country radio, country music. Like, I'm like, you have to talk about it. If you don't talk yeah. about it, you're missing, like, it's like not talking about the Super Bowl the day after the game. Right. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. And, but, uh, but I go, this is Northeast Nebraska, super conservative for the most part. Uh, how am I going to bring this up? So again, it was one of those challenges of, I want to talk about it. I believe the audience wants to talk about it, but how are you? Cause that a conversation like that and a topic like that can quickly go wrong. Oh, for sure. Especially with people's, uh, whether it's religious or 
uh, prejudice, is, bigot. Where, where's I mean, that uh, Duck Dynasty comes from? Is the religion that's because they're super religious, yes. and that's where that whole problem yeah, happened. Yeah. With. So, and <clears throat> just but just knowing a topic like that, and you just know there's certain things. If you're going to talk about it, you have to be prepared prepared for. How can this go wrong? What do I do if it goes wrong? You know, what, if I get the, the the phone call from someone who is just off the rails. Did you, obviously you guys screen those, right? Uh, no. Like they weren't screened at all. From what I loved about my show, I mean, a lot, I don't know how many people know this, but those phone calls, um, almost all those phone calls were live. You know, occasionally I would have recorded phone calls, yeah. but a lot of what I did was live for the very fact of I didn't want it edited. I didn't, right. I didn't want it, um, produced, um, which is what you get a lot of the times from any media source. I wanted it to be raw, unedited, even if it sounded less polished, less polished means more authentic. Agreed. Yeah. And I thought that was always more valuable, whether I'm making the mistakes, you know, you, you misspeak and say something or fumble your words. That's more authentic than it sounding clean, professional, pro produced, and there's never any mistakes. And you have to balance that, but no, um, almost, I don't want to say all, but the majority of phone calls and interactions with callers on my show just were, directly were live. Board. Yeah. And just, there was no screen in them. You know, sometimes I might have caller ID and know who's calling, but a lot of times I'm taking that phone call cold going, good morning. <laughs> like <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Did, you, did you ever have any, uh, fines or anything from the, never had fines or, uh, there was one F bomb. That I ever had, Dude, slip, I was ask that. ever had slipped through. There was one, um, uh, I'm trying to remember if, he didn't say that effing bitch, but he, oh, he said, <laughs> and he was pissed. It was about Jason Aldean and allegations of cheating. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And he clearly, like, this dude, either his wife had cheated on him or his girlfriend <clears throat> or whatever. Like, he, you could tell, like, something had happened. And I was like, boop, we're done with that phone call. Like, <laughs> But I always liked that, um, that element of not just danger, but you never knew what was going to happen right. because it was live. And I think that was a big attraction for the audience as well. Um, funny stuff, weird stuff. Uh, sometimes it was emotional. And I'm not like an emotional, like sappy person. But there would be times where stuff would come up and I'm, I'm like. You could feel uh, it. Yeah. And I'm not a crier in that. I'm not afraid to cry, but I just don't cry. Um, you know, people would be talking about something. They'd open up whether it was about their kids or a health issue. And you were just like, oh my God, I got to take a break here. Like, right. I'm getting emotional and I got to be able to be a professional and still run the show. Two more hours left. Yeah. But I think that that was what was, uh, something I noticed throughout the years is the authenticity, authenticity, but also the intimacy that you could have with people. Um, by being live, by being real, by being raw, by being authentic, and the connection you could have. And that was another thing for me that that drove me for so long is the connection I felt like I was making with so many people on a personal level and on a, on a larger scale of building a following, building an audience. Um, and I love that. And, and, and I'm grateful for it. And I'll, I'll miss it. Um, but I was I was ready to move on and and going back to what you said about somebody saying you should move to Omaha or you you know why did you, why didn't you ever leave yeah. Norfolk yeah I think people forget how wide of a range the WJG 106 kicks oh, actually yeah. has big yeah. area yeah and I think people forget that about Norfolk in general yeah like we we also support all the surrounding communities yeah Norf within 30 40 miles yeah Norfolk really is a hub because of we are geographically isolated. Um, in a good way, in a lot of ways, um, 
You know, you've got Sioux City an hour and a half away. Omaha's two hours. Lincoln's two hours plus. And then there's really nothing out west, you know, unless you're going down to, to Kearney or Grand Island, which again is two hours, two hours plus. So, and then you've got all that, you know, north, central, western Nebraska, that there's nothing else out there for major hubs. So that was another big part of um, the, the the reach of of our station and, and, and our audience is being able to talk to people that were two hours away. And you're like, why are you listening to this show? And you're like, there's nothing else out here. Yeah. They're like, there's nothing else out here, but we love it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you would, you would joke around yeah. about that. Like we, there's, you guys got nothing else to listen to except for the, the res, you know, but they like your show. <laughs> yeah. But, and so it was, you know, um, I was always, um, flattered by that. Um, it was also not awkward. Um, I mean, some people made things awkward, like well, meet me in person, but I never, I never felt like I, I appreciated the, the recognition, but I, I hope I, I always tried to make it a normal conversation with people. Um, even if they thought of me as a celebrity or you're somebody very good at that though, but I never liked, um, because like my interactions with celebrities, I've never been starstruck. Um, you know, when I've talked with celebrities in person or met them in person for whatever purpose, but just treat them like a real person. It uh, doesn't mean I can't appreciate it. Right, and like, they like that, though. Yeah, I think for the most well, for part, most yeah. Some, yeah well, I mean, but, them, but, but some people are stuck up divas and expect to be treated different. And I never wanted to do that to somebody. I know there were times probably where I was so focused on what I was doing in the public that maybe I didn't acknowledge someone or perceived brush them off. But yeah. it was because, hey, I'm hosting this event and I got to make sure I'm ready when I go on stage that I'm hosting this event <laughs> and the... F- three, 400 people that are here, like that's who I have to be ready for. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I miss, I miss, uh, some of the relationships. Cause you know, when you, when you're done doing something like that, you're not going to talk to all those people ever again. Some of them you will, but a lot of them I'll never communicate with again. And, uh, I'm again, grateful for the ride while it lasted. And, um, yeah, I have tons of, of great memories. Yeah. So, I, I never, I, Sorry, I never, uh, never saw the celebrity side of you. I obviously met you through Noonball, met him through Noonball, yeah. same thing. Yeah. I never knew you were on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah. six months Wait, later. Who, so I'm like, who's the waves on the radio? <laughs> who <laughs> listens to radio? Like, yeah. What's this thing? Yeah. I just played Noonball with well, the guy. And, and, and hopefully, you know, like that's it. Hopefully that's a good thing because it never offended me that somebody didn't know who I was or didn't listen to my show or listen yeah. to another show. Like that never offended me because I, I knew... Um, there's so many things out there that you can listen to or watch or yeah. consume. And my show wasn't for everybody. Um, and maybe it didn't appeal. Maybe it was the country music you didn't like. It wasn't, it was me or my opinion, or you didn't like the, there was a inappropriateness to the show to a degree. It wasn't like it was vulgar and over the top graphic, but yeah. I was, I was going to, I made fun of anybody and everybody. You pushed some boundaries. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was intentional. I didn't care if you were the mayor didn't care if you were the president, didn't care if you were the Pope. If you said or did something that was funny, going to talk about it. And if you said or did something that was stupid, going to talk about it. Yep. If you said or did something that was untruthful, definitely going to talk about definitely it. Gonna talk we about need it, more yeah. of that. Yeah. So I think finding um, entertainment and and knowing how to mix all of that together was also a key of um, knowing how to weave that. Like, you know... Um, Related to food, you know, you got to know how to mix certain ingredients to, to make that that main dish uh, be successful. It yep. tastes good. If you have the wrong mix of ingredients, it's going to be hot garbage. So, so coming to the end of the radio talk, yeah, 
Can you give us one really good or really crazy story from one of the remotes you went, the fairs, or on the show? Anything that comes to mind that, you know, kind of was off the wall? Oh, man. I know. That's, that's a tough question. There's so many. Um, oh, you want good or you want bad? Whatever. Okay. Whatever you feel. <laughs> whatever Funny, the best good, um, heartfelt. Keith Urban was really cool to meet in person um, just because he seemed like just a genuine, nice guy. Uh, and I, I liked his music and his songwriting and his guitar playing. Um, so that was a cool one, um, to meet in person. There were so Ian Munsick, who's a newer guy in country. I didn't know, um, that he has a major stuttering problem. I didn't know he really? had a major speech impediment really? because he doesn't have that when he sings, but when he's doing, isn't the, that a crazy thing though? It is. There's a lot of singers like that. that Ozzy yeah. can't speak. Yeah, well, but he can that's, sing. that's for different reasons. <laughs> well, I know, but he, he still can sing, which is crazy to me. But what blew me away about that, like it was clear, I re, like after two, two quick interactions, I go, oh my God, he has a major speech issue. But I gave him so many props for doing it. I didn't say that to him, but because so many artists would They would say no. They would say no. I'm going to sound stupid. I'm going to sound like I'm on drugs. Because immediately that's what I thought. I go, is he on drugs? <laughs> I mean, it was that right, bad. Right, that but, bad. Then I, but then I realized, no, he just has a speech impediment. And the more I talked to him, the more likable he was because he was making the effort to talk. And you could tell he's struggling with his, his words and his speech. So that was another one that just, and then when I met him in person, there was no speech impediment. <laughs> it was only while he was doing interviews or felt um, nervous. nervous or stressed. And so to be able to talk to him in person and just, and I told him, Hey, thank you for doing that interview. There's a lot of people that wouldn't in your situation, wouldn't be willing to do that. Um, so that one, that, that was more recent and that was really cool. Um, yeah, I don't, there were, I mean, there were so many things that, that happened. Boy, the, the weirdest TV story I ever covered was a house in Sioux city. They sent me to the house and all they said was it's, I remember this, this, it's flooded with chickens <laughs> and it was a house, an older house up on the hill, um, right near, um, the interstates. When you, when you cross the bridge from South Sioux into Sioux city and you come across the bridge, um, up on the hill there, but this house, like, uh, I don't remember if it was 300 plus chickens <laughs> in the basement of the house. They had to Jeez. condemn the house because not only was there chickens in there. So think of all the chicken poop that's in there. Mm. Um, but like the, like the firefighters and, um, they're wearing hazmat suits because oh, of the ammonia. The, yeah. And because of the other deceased animals that were in this oh. house. So I'm there live on location. You know, they threw me in no there. Hazmat with, suit. Oh, no hazmat suit. I'm standing out fr <laughs> you know, front. I'm 20. <laughs> however, you know, I look like some young college kid and I'm live on location doing the six o'clock news Getting with, like, with like zero prep <laughs> and trying you know like so like it was just crazy i'm like what am i talking about <laughs> yeah and just uh you know you just get thrown into something like that and you just have to roll with it and then um also i interviewed uh live and again didn't have a lot of prep for this they just told me i'm doing it um presidential candidate john edwards huh. before his affair came out Oh, really? So none of that had, had hit the news yet. And so I'm interviewing him live in Sioux City. And again, they didn't give me a lot of prep work. They just said, you're going to ask him about this, this, and this. Tell him thank you. Bomb. 
But it was, you know, whatever, a two-minute live interview with John Edwards, who at the time was running for president. That's that's what he was going to be doing. And then, yeah, however, it was, I don't know, a few months later that the news came out that, you know, he'd been having an affair. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know, Jeez. that was just another, it's like, wow, another okay. average Tuesday. Whatever. <laughs> so, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to go into on the radio stuff at all? Uh, no, I just, again, I, f- I feel grateful. Um, and thank you to anybody that ever uh, listened, um, called in, sent me. I had some crazy, and I had, still have all of my crazy hate mail, like stacks of hate mail. I'm sure. And you had some really good ending, like your last few shows. You brought on people yeah. that have been in the past. There were more people that I wanted to do that with that weren't able to do that with. And I'm grateful for those that were able to. My wife is the biggest disappointment Be- because... In my 25 years of broadcasting, never radio, had her on. She came on the final day, and that was the I only. That. She never called in. She never emailed in. She That's never her personality, though. Right, and I and I and I have to uh, respect. And this is what I always wanted to do, is is respect my wife's privacy and my family's privacy. I always wanted to make sure. Yeah, I want to talk about my wife on the radio and, and my kids, but I never want to embarrass them. Yeah. And there were times where my wife got embarrassed or angry about certain things. And so I always had to try to find that. I don't want to share too much. I want to be a real person and not act like, you know, I'm single and don't have a family at all. Right. But she was so good the last day that I did my show. And so many people go, oh, my God, how come you didn't have her on more? I said, I tried. <laughs> it was really good. It but, was really good. But, uh, yeah, so just, no, thank you to everybody that was a part of that experience. That's great. I'm going to take a quick pause, take a little pee break, and then we'll come back and we'll get into the rest of it. All right, we're back. Since I've been sick, oh, my gosh, I've been drinking so much water. I just got to pee every every <laughs> 60 minutes. Um, thanks for getting old. And thanks for getting up to do it. I mean, yeah, I appreciate oh, I, it. I've thought about getting a catheter just <laughs> yeah, putting geez. around to the desk. What is that noise? Yeah, right. <laughs> or what's that smell, probably, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, so we, I know we already talked a little bit about downtown, but I kind of wanted to get a little more into it. We didn't really discuss some of the stuff that's down there. Um, with how things have been added, and it's been a slow process, mm-hmm. but now we've got 411. We got Fenders. Danny's done a great job with both of those places. Andrew with District. We got Divots down there now. We've always had the Harbor. Andrew and um, 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 Rochelle. Mateo. Mateo. Ryan. And Ryan Ryan Mateo. Mateo, uh, Partnered on the office. Revamped that a little bit. It's just such a great. They've got the Boathouse. We got Nofo Pizza. We got Napoli's. We got uh, MJ's. still there. Fifth Street's still there. You can you can really start at one end, yeah. and you can have so much fun just walking down there. If you haven't been downtown at night, um, and obviously we're in the colder months now, but... You can still walk, though. Uh, yeah, you can still walk. Um, but, but if you haven't been a part of that experience, uh, you know, not just on the weeknights, but... Um, or weekends, but um, throughout the week... Uh, you're missing out whether it's whether it's date night or or taking your family out going to a comedy show um after after work with your 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 work crew you're missing out because there really is so much that's going on live music live entertainment um one thing green light great night uh, yeah uh one thing that i do is especially during the the warmer months is i like to ride my bike a lot and i'll ride through downtown the murals the art like Mm -hmm. there's there's cool things to do um without spending money um, right. seeing some of those those art sculptures some of those murals that are in the back alleyways now um and i know there's i think they still do this that um that walk through tour or walk around tour where you can visit different restaurants check out the the different art sculptures and then you know you get an appetizer or drink at you know five different spots downtown like that's a that's an event like to go do with 
um, you know, a couple of buddies or, you know, take your work crew out. So that's great. Downtown is the hub. I know of more, uh, just a couple of businesses that I know that are trying to move downtown. There are already businesses, um, that are established in town, but whether it's retail or restaurant, they want to be in downtown Norfolk. They're not currently, but they go, sheesh, if I could just get my, (laughs) my business down on Norfolk Avenue or Madison Avenue, the, the juice stop now. Yep. That's that's Madison. I forget about that one. So it also feels like downtown is expanding and growing because you're getting businesses more off of Norfolk Avenue, which is great because it just helps. That's what Jose Which, talked about. He yeah, just we, bought the Max. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to put the restaurant in there, and, and yeah. it's just, it's going to expand. It's yeah. going to go a few a few more blocks. Well, there's only room for about the next block over. Yeah. And and I feel like I'll, I think all of it feels safe. Um, Very. At at night and because because there's th- more people and and because things are well lit. Well lit. They're inviting again, like the Christmas decorations. Um, but even what some of the businesses are doing out front or behind their business because they have a rear entrance yep. from the alleyway yep. into their business. So it feels like you can go any of those places and not feel this is sketchy. Should I be here? Mm. We we love parking down at Fenders. I'm I'm a big proponent of Fenders. I love going there. They have great cocktails. We park there, have a couple of drinks, then we'll walk down and ha- either have uh, dinner at 411 yeah. or go walk down to District or go yeah. walk down to Divots. And just it's a great time to just, and then we walk back, we go to the harbor, we go to the yeah. office. It's great. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't done any of that stuff, you're, you're missing out. And if you don't live in Norfolk, it's worth coming to Norfolk For sure. to experience some of those things. And there's places to stay down there now, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, a big one. I haven't been inside the, um, the hotel. The I haven't either. In. Yeah. But I don't either. Yeah. But, but okay, but there's so there's 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 that, and I've all I've heard is good things from people that have stayed there, the comedians and others. Usually, um, if Donna's doing something, she's going to do it right. Yes. I mean, then uh, their mural on the backside, like that's just what's so cool. And I wonder how many people have missed out on a lot of those things because they never think that those places have anything to offer. Like, just go walk through the alleyways on either side of Norfolk Avenue, and you're. You've got six, seven different murals just alone in addition to what those businesses are doing. There's been a couple of TikTokers from Lincoln that have come and stayed there and then done TikToks with downtown Norfolk. It's yeah. kind of cool that it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's attracting more people. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a healthy mix of types of businesses. There are a number of uh, Hispanic restaurants and uh, stores. Um, yeah, the, store, the stores, the Hacienda. Yeah. Um, uh, Leon's. So, Rodeo. you know, in bars, restaurants, so just depending on what you want to do. And then even retail. Like if you want to shop, there's some great retail places um, downtown. A to Z Vac and So moved down there. <laughs> good place, I mean, I, I love to nothing shop for more, vacuums. Nothing more that I want to do on a Thursday night than right? suck. They got, some, some they got some good sucking. Mm-hmm. Some sucking. <laughs> they, uh, and there's a lot of hey, boutiques. You're, you're welcome for the commercial, by the way. <laughs> hey, thanks. Appreciate we, that. We, we suck. We got, yeah, we suck. <laughs> we suck. A to Z Vac and So. We you, suck. You suck. <laughs> Yeah, downtown's good, uh, and it's probably going to keep expanding. Yeah, further. Um, oh, that be further east. Uh, once they get all of the uh, the river walk done, that yeah. people love to complain about. <laughs> yeah, once once Alco gets torn wait. down. What I can't wait for because it already looks cool. Like if you've been by the first street roundabout, with which uh, apparently, according to social media, is a death trap. Um, multiple lives have been lost already. Thousands of <laughs> so children. Many. Thousands of children are homeless now because of that first street roundabout. This is going to get me canceled, but I'm okay yeah. with roundabouts because it makes people slow down. I think uh, it's faster. I, I absolutely love yeah. the roundabout up on Skyview. Yeah, my like, biggest complaint was that they, they turned Brosh uh, before we stopped there yeah. by the VFW. Yeah. It's the worst. If you, yeah. uh, 
if you know how to run a roundabout, roundabouts are awesome, but yeah. some people just, yeah. that's the problem. That's they what get people there, get frustrated get with. And w- this is on, if you live in Norfolk, this it's your problem now. Like we've had them in yeah. Norfolk long enough you now. Should know. If you can't figure it out by now, that's on you. That is not and, on the city. And so I get it when some people, they complain about it on social media yeah. because I'll get behind somebody that yeah. isn't doing it right. Yeah. And uh, it may cost me 10 seconds yeah. of my time. They're but it stopped lo- inside. They lose my mind yeah. over that. They're waving other people in <laughs> while they're stopped in the roundabout. <laughs> no. You go. No, 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 you, you none of us are stopping. Yeah. The first, the first one stop. was 25th and Benjamin, right? Yeah. Wasn't that the first one in town? I think so. Yeah. yeah, and then they went to the one on Seventh and right. Paz Walk, and I then, like them. I don't but know. it tells me it, it 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 helps me locate you as a person, right? Whether or not you can handle a roundabout. Yeah, I do think I do have. So I have a problem with the one they put on two seventy five, just because. Right, and that's on the truckers, though. But I mean, we've had a lot of rollovers on oh, on yeah. semis because and we probably shouldn't put one on that intersection. But again, it's speed related. Yeah, you're you not paying. It, you're not paying attention to the signs that are posted. I get that, but at the same time, I go, "That's there's a personal level of responsibility." Yeah, I, I don't want anybody getting hurt, and you're and right. we're losing livestock. And, and you're stuff. right. I mean, it's rough. But yeah, but it's, but at the same time, I go, "Okay, what else do you want to do? You want to put flashing lights out yeah. there?" Like, I mean. That's the same thing with people complaining about uh, 81 by uh, Humphrey there. We have to have that. Oh, U- yeah. U- oh, I, I hate that one. That one, I, I despise that one. That one drives I me still, crazy. Every time I drive by there, because I do have to drive to Columbus uh, for work now, I, I go, this is the strangest. <laughs> this is just go the opposite direction to go the other direction. It just... And I'm glad if it's working and, you know, fewer accidents and, and more people are alive because of it, but it still seems weird. That, seems, that was a bad intersection. It seems like something out of a video game. Like your kid, <laughs> your kid is designing roads and you're like, sweetheart, we can't have the road go the opposite sweetheart. direction to go back. Sweetheart, honey, yeah, we, honey we, we can't do that. You can't have an interstate crossing a no. gravel road. That's how it seems. <laughs> we do yeah. That. But that's what you're like, wait, this is the Department of Roads that came up with this? Yeah. 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 With yeah. engineers? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, downtown definitely go check it out if you guys haven't done it yet. Um, it's a great place. What's your favorite place? Fender, Fenders it, of, uh, and when you get uh, anything to eat there, yeah, we eat, we they have food there. Uh, I know they have food, but like, like yeah, we get stuff to eat there. Okay, and the, a lot of the reason, so we get like the baked goods there. So like my wife and I'll go there. Yeah. We'll bring in the kids and we'll get some baked goods in the morning. Get okay, some coffee. Are you guys ready ready to make people mad? Yeah. What is your? What do you think is the most popular restaurant downtown? Like popular I don't, from everybody I don't, I don't, or mine? I, now, uh, do, do you have this? The, no, no, no. I don't have numbers to back this up. But if if you were to say, what's what do you think is Divots. the most popular restaurant? I would probably say Divots. If we're just going just restaurant. Downtown? I would yeah. say Leon's. Okay. Neither one of you said what I think it is. Divots? What do you think it is? Or uh, District? I think it's District. I was going to say District, but I don't. I, I thought that, was, them I thought that, was, the, I thought that uh, was the obvious answer. But I don't know if that's true. I, I was going to say that, but I'm only I going you had, like, off a of trick. On no, 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 no. I'm only going off of personal observations. Yeah. I would say they're the. the but I don't know that. So yeah. I kind of see where you're going. I'm thinking anecdotally too. Um, I'm thinking yeah, district's busy. I my so my parents are they're uh, they're uh, Black. divots. No, they're divots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The way you were struggling, I go. Just, I don't want to sound racist, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm adopted. No, uh, they they're big proponents of divots, and they go there all the time. And I mean, every time they go, yeah, it's just packed. Yeah, the place is absolutely yeah. packed. The reason, um, I, the reason I thought of that is, um, 
Zach, what color are your parents? <laughs> White. Mexican. <laughs> White. Yeah. Uh, no, because my, there are so many great spots yeah. downtown. Um, there's so many places that I've... Uh, I think sometimes it comes to freshness, too. It's so like when 411 for open, you could probably say that one. Yeah. When district for open. Yeah. But I also feel like some of those places are always busy in a good way. Agreed. And I think this district definitely is busy a lot. And I'm not um, trying. To, I'm not trying to uh, to bash anybody. Hey, up. Did you get sponsored? It's <laughs> the only sponsor I have yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just. Uh, I was thinking of that when I was listening to the uh, Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, and he's very busy. They, they have. They have some turnaround. Yeah, for sure. So it's always like when I go in there, man. The, the only time it's not is like when the like late, like yeah. after eight thirty nine o'clock. Well, but it's also uh, the the challenge that everybody's facing, and that's having enough staff. Having enough employees, we're, and that's we're for everybody. Into the same thing with my wife's daycare. Yeah, we can't find anybody to come in. And, yeah, tell me yeah. about it, man. We have that issue. I mean, I'm it's sure just, you do. Everybody, it feels like not everybody, but many businesses don't have enough quality staff. And they got pretty good ones at district, but basically everywhere, everybody downtown's got pretty good staff. And I think it that like goes back to what we were talking about is everybody wants to be down there. And so I th- think it's easier to get good staff down there than yeah. it is some of the other places. But I also know I think. Donna at Divots, and I know Andrew, and I know Danny for sure. They're all they're paying them more than some other restaurants. Yeah. There's more. They're not getting paid the minimum waitress or bartender salary. They're, well, they're, and that circle that if you have that reputation, that spreads quickly, easily. I mean, just just like bad news and just management. Yeah, uh, Andrew's a great boss. Yeah, and and, and Clunder people want to work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, you're right though. It's it's hard to find good quality people. Yeah. I don't like that right now. It's everywhere. I don't see how that is going to change, though, either. Here's what I think is going to happen, because the separation has been happening. Um, you know, we have we have people um, where I work that are consistently gone. We're, yep. Consistently gone. Like, you can't work a full week ever. Yep. There's always something. And there's yep. usually a couple of days a week you're not here right. the whole day. But the separation has happened and it's happening more. So the people that are willing to grind, drive, and again, just be hard workers yeah. are getting further and further ahead. And the people, and I think a lot of this was, um, it started with COVID during, right. the, during the pandemic and it's only gotten worse. Those people that want to put in the bare minimum, just get by, feed off the system, get as many freebies as possible, are going to get further and further behind. So my question is, besides COVID, so now we're three years past, almost yeah. four. Well, three years, I guess. What 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 is causing this? Obviously, there's free things out there, and, and but at some point, you got to want to progress yourself, right? Are you just are they just okay with being I stuck think they're in there? Okay, this is this is what I've come to uh, determine because I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I don't, I can't relate I to that. It. Like, you're here two days a week, and then you want all the benefits. How are you paying the bills, <laughs> though? Right. I think so many people are so comfortable with the low standard of living, um, and we've also made it very easy. To, to have survive. A, to have a fairly good uh, level of living um, by living off the system and, and, and handouts and, you know, a lot of the um, uh, charities, you know, they're at all-time high needs, you know, Salvation Army, uh, Rescue Mission. They're serving more and more people all the time, uh, which is which is great that they're able to serve people, but how many of those people don't really need that service? or could be, Or could be doing something. Um, to make their life better. Yes, but they don't They don't want to work, or they've always got excuses of why they can't be at work. Do or, you think some of that comes to parenting? 
Because it's a lot of. Uh, do you see it as some of the the younger generation or no? I I don't think it's just the younger generation. I think, I think, it's, I think it's, it's our generation. I think it's gotten older. I think it's there are the people, millennials. I th- I think there are people of e- even forty ish. I mean, t- not not just twenty somethings, but I th- I'd say in between twenty to forty, there are plenty of adults that aren't adults. They right. act like children, right? And they're it's it's not just a lack of work ethic. It's also a lack of personal responsibility and um, uh, maturity uh, yeah. that these people e- emotional maturity. You lack emotional maturity. You someone says something to you about, hey, I need you to pick up your trash at the end of the day. And they just have like a meltdown. Right. Like they just go into this dark hole of depression. Right. And Zach yelled at me. No, Zach said, I need you to take out your trash at the end of the day. Yeah. Because you keep throwing your bananas and whatever else on the floor. <laughs> this like, is your job. Yeah, I need like, you to do this job. I will help you when I need help. I'm not going to do your job every yeah, single day for you. Yeah. I just need you to try. Yeah. Just give me an attempt. Oh, I can't do it. Yeah. You're just always mean to me. Yeah. Oh, and, and so I don't know if that's emotional. I don't know if that's psychological. I don't know where where that the 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 fragility. You are so frail. You're like you're like a a, a dry leaf. You crumble. Yeah. You, I mean, like, Under any kind of I like, pressure. Like, but like, I, you, I agree. you can't tell those people, no matter how nice you are or how, and I know this from personal experience and I'm going in my head, I'm going, oh my God, how are you going to make it in life? If you're this fragile and this frail, yeah. you know, one little comment can just bring yeah. you completely down. Me, so, me asking you to fix, Hey, you put these numbers wrong in the system. Could you fix them please? And you have to go take a mental health break for three hours. <laughs> Safe space, uh, but but yeah. like that's yeah. real. It's yeah, a, it is real. Not, I know. I like, know it's real. Okay, and I'll just use the name Jessica because that's not anybody I know at work. You hope <laughs> Jessica. Um, if if it takes you three hours to recover from being told to correct your mistake, and I didn't swear at you, I didn't belittle you, I didn't, you know, you there were no sexual, just like you were right now. There were no sexual innuendos. <laughs> or, um, this probably isn't a job for you. Yeah. No. Okay. Baby angel. I'm very lucky with the staff that I have. Yeah. Very it's lucky. just it's uh it's beyond frustrating. It's it's just like bewildering. And you just you just go, How are we trying how are we going to run a success? So well, here's what I think is gonna happen. More and more business owners are gonna figure out what is the bare minimum of personnel I have to have. I'm gonna pay those people more because they're the ones willing to do the work and are here. And then I'm going to find a way, and you've already seen it with self-checkouts and other things that businesses have implemented, and I'm going to eliminate those those jobs. Those will no longer be jobs for humans. But, so we've seen, so now, like you bring up the self-checkout, Walmart's reversing course on that deal. Now mm-hmm. they're bringing the checkout lady back. Um, I think they had such a big, a bad experience with the customers, just hated it so much that and, they and are I, starting to bring that part of it back. And I think they're... And so I wonder if people are now realizing, because that's self-inflicted. Like yeah. that's self-inflicted on us, the shopper. Like, um, so I wonder if some of that is going to start reversing. But like, uh, as far as people showing up for their jobs, oh. uh, un- until we make it painful for yes. people to not work, and as long as it's comfortable, and I can have a cell phone, and I can use my EBT for I steaks, can go play video games, and Kino, and my cigarettes, got my, my beer, yeah, got my my YouTube TV, and all the other perks and benefits, and that I think I'm entitled to. Well, why would I ever want to do more? That's the big thing is the entitlement thing. That you think you should have all these things. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. You haven't earned it. You're no. not special. No, because there's nobody's 
There's 25 million. Nobody's fucking special. Yeah, there's 25 million my people language, but... who are just as lazy as you. You're not no, special. Right. No. It's, it's, then just like you say, you're like we all. Everybody goes through that. Like, how are you going to survive life? But yet here we are. Nobody, nobody yeah. actually makes it. Like you said, nobody makes it hurt on that person. Yeah. Like that's why they're surviving because everybody feels bad for them. Is like, I don't understand how you're yeah. going to survive. Well, we're the ones making them survive. but if things um you know uh, whether you want to say it's a recession or things crash or where there's a, a dropout it's coming you know the those the pe- people the, are gonna hurt the the people that are are gonna be held on to are the ones that are again the ones the grinders the ones that are putting in and the the people again that separation is going to be even greater than if something really does happen if we if we come to a point where things do crash the people that, are, that we're talking about right now that aren't doing the things that they're supposed to be doing there's not going to be a pandemic there's going to be no relief. Mm-hmm. They're just going to be on the streets. I think you've seen some of those things, you know, in places like California, as far as like homelessness, oh, you until, know, until in, they clean it up for China. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. But I mean, uh, and I, I agree with you. I wouldn't want that for anybody, no. but, at the, but at the same time I go, what led to that? Right. You, you know, what, what led up to you being out on the street versus where you were six, what were you doing six months ago? Much less. What were you doing five years ago? For yourself, yeah. for your life, for your family, right. and I'm not saying those people deserve that. You know, you but deserve they, to be homeless. A lot of them don't want that to at all, be. but a lot of them don't want to work. They they're okay because the, now they're given they're giving out drugs. Yeah, they're yep. and they're, and they're letting them stay wherever they want to stay. Yeah, and making them comfortable, giving them food, whatever. Yeah, it's just, they're just enabling. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to me that that's what's going on over there. Yeah, so I don't know how long those things continue or how bad it has to get before. Enough, bad, though. enough I mean, people get fed when you up. Get, when you get feces and, and needles in the street, like yeah. San Francisco is nothing like it was when I went, used to go 10 years ago. And people here can't relate to that. They can't no. relate to it, but they hear it and they're like, oh, there's no way. Exactly. Your first, it's, that's your first thought. Is, there's no way it's like that. I, how could? Yeah. So but you, we saw, so we were just in Arizona. Um, we went to soccer nationals. Our son plays at Northeast. Yep. And they made nationals. Um, got all of his talent from me. <laughs> Just thinking about the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> but the number of homeless people we saw in the week that we were there, every, every corner, every stoplight, yeah. we saw encampments, you know, in some of the dry riverbeds. Full encampments, yeah. Full of 40 tents, 50 tents. And those were all, and there was just, we were just in Tucson. And right. we're going, Denver's it, like that, and it's cold in Denver. Yeah. And you're going, how many thousands of people are, and this is just one little town, you know, uh, spread out throughout America and through, especially through the South with warm weather. But my, uh, how are all those, how are those people ever going to get back to a normal life where they're not living on the street? I don't, th- I don't, I don't think it's ever going to be possible unless, unless a full, but then if they go back to what they were doing, then why would we want to put money into that mm-hmm. is my question. I know it sounds very not nice of me, but I think there's plenty of money out there for them to do the help, but these, they don't want the help. They'll go, they do. There's yeah. all these interviews that they interview these people. Yeah. Like, do you want to go get help? And nah, I mean, they're going to pay for my drugs. The one, I'm here. <laughs> the <laughs> one guy. And I could have been totally misread this. I could have totally misread this. So he's on the corner and, and we, we've seen him on this corner for a, a number of days in a row as we've been driving around town in Tucson. Um, and the one time we're, we're pulled up, you know, he's got his little sign that says, you know, what, whatever, need, need money for food and et cetera. But, and he looks pretty rough, but you never know what's legit and what's yeah. not legit. Well, one, one truck pulls up in front of us and hands him a bottle of water. 
you know, it was 85 that day. Hands him a bottle of water. He takes a bottle of water and he's like, did like an eye roll. Oh my like, gosh. Like, I mean, and he looked like, like he needed the 50th bottle of water. I've got right. Out. Like, how dare you? Where's yeah. my $50 bill? Right, but right, it, right. it was just, and I go, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I misread that, but it looked like, and again, you don't know what's legit yeah. and not. So that's, you, that's you, rough. you had a very hard decision to make this year. You left something you've been doing very long time in the radio. Um, was it this year, right? Yeah, this was, I uh, started in March. That's what I thought. So it was, cause you yeah. and I, you and I talked about it on yeah. Valentine's day, the same time we talked about, I was going to maybe do this and yeah. it took me until the end of the year. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> You're still dragging slower. My feet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a little slow. Um, to go into something that's totally new. Um, Walk us through some of that. I know you had, a, if you, t- if you talked to me about it before you did it, yeah. then you must've had a thousand conversations. Um, I don't know that I had a thousand conversations. Obviously my wife and I, um, I would say, I wouldn't say I, I, I was thinking about it for a year, but I would say maybe six months, um, uh, before I actually made the decision is when I kind of started thinking about, um, some things and what was going on. Um, and, I, in some ways, I felt like I had plateaued, um, and I mean this with all yeah uh, humbleness. Yeah, but I was an expert. I don't. Wait, hey, man, uh, I mean, Hall I, of Fame. I, <laughs> we just said during our break. I'm like, you're too good at this. We can't have you back on. Um, again, there were so many other people that were a part of my success and that helped me be successful. But after 25 years of of doing things, I didn't feel like there was a lot left for me to achieve if I stayed where I was. Right. I felt like I had plateaued. I felt, and I still could have done the show and continued on, but I I felt like I'm not being challenged anymore. And, um, I wasn't bored and I, I still have plenty of creativity, but I, I go, I think I'm ready to finally make a transition. I always thought my transition would be within broadcasting I told you I wanted to do more marketing, advertising, promoting, because I've done more and more of that during my time in media. Especially being the MC with the district t- or uh, the district event center with the comedians. Right? Yeah, and and those two kind of fit together as far as you know, um, working in media, having your own radio show, and then being able to promote that and promote other things, promote you know the advertisers and sponsors of my radio show and the other events that we would be involved with as a radio station. So I always wanted to do more of that. Always enjoyed the. Um, you know, get, get, get attention, get noticed if you're going to promote your event or whatever it is that you're doing your business, you, you gotta, so I always enjoyed that process and the creativity that, that was involved with that. And always knew I wanted to do more of that. I thought I would do that within media somehow at the radio stations or, uh, with some, some form of, uh, broadcasting. Um, and then I'd had a relationship with Clayton, uh, Novotny at Motoplex because I'd done a number of their advertising, their ads, and, uh, they also sponsored the comedy show. So I kind of had a relationship there with him, um, through that as well. And he had actually brought it up a couple of times and I said, what? He's like, yeah, would you ever <laughs> consider working for Motoplex? And I blew him off like, hey, man, I appreciate it, but like... There's, right. I'm a like, Hall of Fame yeah, radio like, guy right now. I don't know if you know who you're talking <laughs> I to. I got this but, one thing that I'm doing already. <laughs> so, no. No, and it was just... Uh, when he first brought it up, like, my head wasn't there at all. Like, yeah. I wasn't... I was like, dude, what do you... Like, no. like Right. Um, and, and then he brought it up again, and then I started 
like, what would that look like? So we started having some conversations because I go, man, that's going to be different. Um, and so the more that we talked about it and the more that I kind of, kind of felt that I think my time's kind of winding down in radio and I, f- I feel a little more, uh, content in the sense of I'm ready to let go. Like it was time. It yeah. was time to kind of, it, it almost felt perfect in a way when I, when you went through it and you and I talked about it mm-hmm. and then you went and did it and I'm like, just yeah, very poetic. Yeah. And I didn't, I don't have any resentment at all. Like. Like, oh yeah, we can uh, tell that for sure. Like I don't have uh, bitterness or you know feel like I was kicked out or yeah. like and and so many people unfortunately um, in radio that is their experience. Like right. hey, you're fired, you're done, you're, you wait too you're, long, you're gone. Yep. Um, and so I feel again grateful for that that I kind of got to make that decision on my own and went out on good terms, went out on a high note, and then was able to um, transition to something new, which. Which, uh, in some ways, has been more difficult to start off with because it was so different than what I'd done for 25 years, and I knew it was going to be a change and a transition. You're no longer the expert. No, and th- and that was that was really hard. Is going from being an expert into I felt like I was the dumbest person at Motoplex, <laughs> um, like for real. Like uh, the first couple of weeks to the first couple of months, I go, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like I feel so right. incapable, yeah, and right. I, f- I feel like why would they want to keep me like, and so that was really, that was a hard transition because it went from one end of the spectrum to the other. I went from being the smartest person and the most capable person and being able to do everything on my own by myself at an expert level to going, I have to ask multiple multiple people for help every day throughout the day. And I still don't know if I'm doing it right. I think you're doing fine. From what I've seen. But it was good because um, it, it helped me realize, and I hope for other people, um, it's okay to be uncomfortable. And too many times we limit ourselves in life, yeah. what if whatever we're doing, uh, by only doing what's comfortable. And for me, that was the big lesson that I got right away. Hey, it's okay to be uncomfortable. And sometimes in order to grow, you've got to be uncomfortable. And if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not growing whatever aspect of your life. I agree with you. The same thing happened with me when I took over the insurance business here. Um, I was like, what we talked about it last time was imposter syndrome. Like, is this this Mm. something I should be doing? Is this same thing with the podcast? Are we, are we good enough to do this? Is is this going to be something we can do? Yeah. I told Zach. It's crazy. Literally every day I come in, I got butterflies like oh, yeah man, i'm not i'm nervous he's like why we've heard this like our fifth episode yeah dude you have no idea yeah. i'm like yeah then we get 10 seconds into it like all right but, let's go but um you you can relate it to um physical fitness you know your muscles in order to grow you have to work them out you have to make them uncomfortable you have to be willing to do things that oh that's new i don't know if i like that that's painful right Ugh, that doesn't feel good but it is healthy and it is beneficial so that was a good lesson for me, and I'm still going through that process. It's I am not an expert by any means. Uh, Isn't it great though? It's kind of nice learning. Like it's refreshing. Yeah, um, and it's been um, reinvigorating in some ways um, because it is a new challenge. And I knew it was going to be a new challenge, and that's what I wanted. When when Clayton and I talked, I go, I want to be a part of that. Don't know if it'll be for 25 years, but I want to <laughs> be a part of a new challenge, and right. I want to be a part of building something. Um, you know, and that's, that was one thing I took away from my time in radio. I created something that didn't exist previously. 
Right. You know, that show didn't exist previously. And that radio station, it was a brand new radio station. It wasn't a country station before. Right. Yeah. They actually built that. So to be a part of something like that, and that's what enticed me about making making the switch to Motoplex here in Norfolk is I want to be a part of something that doesn't exist. And I want to make make it something. It'd be a part of that experience into Boom. That, you, have, you have that entrepreneur's personality where you, you want to create, be able to be the person to create something and, and be a part of that creation. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's um, people that have started their own business or run a small business know what that's like. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to have my name on the business for, for it to feel like it's mine or to take ownership or, or, right. to, or to buy in. Um, but there is something that's extremely satisfying about that, whether it's a, a restaurant or insurance or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing to go, I, I, it was a struggle, but <laughs> you know, my name's on that. And, yeah, right. and it, it took years to develop that. And that's, you know, there's a, there's a lesson in that as well is how many times do we bail on something too soon? Right. Whether it's a relationship, it's a business, you know, it's the two year, five year mark and we just go, I can't, this is too much work. And we pull, we, we pull the cord and, and bail on it um, versus those that have gone, you know what? Yeah, it's hard work, man. It's sacrifice. But if I can just keep my head down and count the cost and then you look back and go, that was worth it. Kind of goes back in, you into your other thing where you were talking <clears throat> earlier in the day, you want people that are doing things different. So like if you're trying it, doing the same thing over and over mm -hmm. for two or five years, some people just quit yeah. instead of trying something new and yeah. you know, pivot just a little bit. We yep. don't have to pivot from here to here. We yeah. can just pivot, just take a little small turn. I knew if I stayed, uh, I could still do it uh, and, and, and still do a really good job and be, be successful at it. But I, I thought, I don't think I'm going to be happy with myself if I do this for five more years, 10 more years, or another 20 years. Well, if you ever get an itch, you can, you're always welcome on here. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, there have been a couple of people uh, that have asked me about, am I going to do a podcast, or that have asked me about doing a podcast with them. And I said, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> uh, I, and I'm not saying no as far as like, I'm never doing that. I just don't have, I don't have the desire to do that. And I think part of it was after 25 years, like my, my brain needed a break and, and I needed a break from that world. Um, and may, maybe I'll dabble in some stuff like this or, you know, collaborate or whatever, but I have no plans, no desire to do a podcast or, and I thought maybe I would like right away, but then like as I started making that transition and taking that time out, I, I go. You wanted it, to put your full energy into what you were doing. Yeah, and I knew that's what it was going to take. Like I have to be fully committed to this next adventure if I'm going to be successful. To and, become the expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's going to take and it's going to take time. It's there is going to be some struggles. There are going to be some. Oh man, that does not feel good. Um, and growing pains and definitely in that season right now. But I also go, I'm, I'm smart enough, not smart, but smart enough <laughs> to recognize the potential and go, man, if we do this right, uh, the sky is the limit, yeah. the limit and, and what we could achieve together would be phenomenal. And that's the part that I go, that's worth the sacrifice. That's worth the, cause I had people go, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why would you ever leave your show? Why would you ever stop doing radio? You were so good, or that was yeah. the perfect fit for you. They're like, 
are you dumb? Are you stupid? Like, what are you doing? And from the outside looking in, I could, I could see that. But again, the opportunity to be a part of another adventure, another challenge was, you don't get to do that all the time. And especially when it's with the right people and it's the right fit. And that's what I told you before I, you know, kind of made that public is it just feels like we don't want to leave town. My wife and I want to stay here. There aren't a lot of opportunities for what I want to do to go. Uh, I can do that here, and be a part of something like that, and I be wanna, successful. And I want to seize that opportunity. I don't want to. I don't want to look back and go, man. I stayed in radio five five years too long and missed the opportunity to be a part of this adventure. Um, so I think being there's that, uh, just like so many other people have done. I think Andrew even said it. You know, taking that step of going out on my own, doing my own thing and taking a risk and betting on myself. That's what I'm doing. I'm betting on myself that it's I'm, betting on yourself and going all in though. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. You, you, sometimes you keep you, people do one or the other. They bet on themselves, but then don't go all in on it. Yeah. And you're always an all in guy. Yeah. From what I've seen anyway. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's also a life lesson that I've seen in people is I'm going to try hard for two weeks. And then if it doesn't work out after two weeks, I'm out. Well, I tried hard for two weeks. Right. <laughs> okay. But we, go, we go through that at work a lot. Yeah. yeah tell, tell me, <laughs> give me the example of anyone successful who's achieved anything of worthwhile who's quit after two weeks. If we thought in two weeks that we were supposed to be just thousand listeners. Right. <laughs> Joe Rogan. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't understand why we're yeah. not right. Why, why, why are we not getting so many yeah. listens? Like well, maybe two steps down from Why it? do we not have a jet yet? <laughs> right. Yeah. Where, where's my jet? Where, but it's, it's, why isn't Grant Cardone coming on my podcast? Right? <laughs> but it's, it's those unrealistic expectations that so many people have now in life. Again, it's that true. entitlement. That Very true. What do you mean I don't have a Lexus? What do you mean I don't have a brand new $500,000 house? What do you mean yeah. I can't take five weeks of vacation in a row? Uh, it's your second week here, Jessica. <laughs> I think we I think we got fed a weird version of the American dream in school and some of the younger generations. In high got school a, or college? Both. Yes. My answer is yes. Speaking of college, before we get and so I don't want to I don't want to redirect yet, but before we get into the next portion of this, what's your thought on college? Do you? So I'm gonna I'll give you my thought, and then and that'll give you kind of an you idea. want the short answer now? Are we taking a break? No. Oh, I thought maybe you had to go to the bathroom. No, right no, 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 not yet. <laughs> not yet. Anyway, what I was gonna say is I'm not a huge proponent of going of college unless you're going for specific yeah. degrees like trade schools. Things like that. Like yeah. If you're just going for business administration, you can learn that in in my office. You can learn it at any other business in town. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on, on I think an a actual lot, degree? I think a lot of colleges are broken. I think you're seeing some things. University of Nebraska, for example, um, they're not alone. But I think a lot of college uh, colleges are broken. The system is broken, and they're not necessary um, like they used to be. I still think education is a phenomenal. You know, our son is at. Our youngest son is at uh, Northeast. Our oldest son was at School of Mines in Rapid City. Um, I think there are certain people that should go for higher education. I think there are certain people that shouldn't go for higher education. That's not your role in life, and that's not what you should be pursuing. Um, Some people need to go straight into the workforce. Some people, it's a trade school. Some people, you need to start your own business. You're an entrepreneur. You are an outside-of-the-box untraditional thinker you need to be you're a creator you need to go do 
your thing, your way, and not follow any traditional path. Which you could take a few classes if you need like a little yeah, bit of help. I'm not on, saying, uh, yeah, that college isn't um, <clears throat> worthwhile at all, but I think there's a lot of broken, the cost, I think it is negligent and criminal, the student loans that are are taken out by millions of of young people. That's what I'm getting at. I think, that you're better I think off. it's I think it's criminal. Yeah, it's uh, very it very keep, criminal. It keeps going up too. It's one of it the keeps, only things that keeps getting more expensive. It's financial slavery yeah. is what it is. And that's done that's done if you want to get pissed about something as a minority, get pissed about that. Yeah. Right. Because it is pr- disproportionate to people of color. Um but it's 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 criminal how much money um, and people go into debt for college. I would just rather see you go into debt to invest in yourself. And, and like you said, if you're an entrepreneur, yeah. go into debt that way. Don't go into debt with college. Much and, much less some of the things that are being taught on college campuses. Whether, whether, no. whether it is the entitlement mentality of, hey, when you graduate, you should expect to make $90,000 a year at your first job. It, and they do it two two ways. That's entitlement and victimhood. They yeah. teach you. They, they brainwash you both ways. You're yeah. a victim and you're entitled. I'm Huh? Yeah. I thought I'm a victim. <laughs> I think th- I think there you know there there are still good <clears throat> schools or quality schools that you could attend, but I think there are a lot of universities and higher education where when you when you really look into some of the things that are being taught, and I would say they're radical ideas. They're 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 far leaning one way or the other, um, and some of it I just I shake my head and go, I don't hate you. <laughs> but you and I are living in different worlds. Yep. And if that's what you think, if that's what you think is, is normal or right or beneficial, you and I are never going to, we're not going to hang out. I don't, I don't have to to hate you because I disagree with you, but I, th- I think what, what you're I'm not be- inviting you out for a drink. No. And I think what you're believing in is doomed to failure because it's so ludicrous because it's so, yeah far out there it's, it, it's, it's not only going to fail you it's going to fail more people because yeah. you're going to damage more people by doing that same and th- or thinking that way i think there's a level of um of damage and i think there's a, a level of irresponsibility by whether it's universities or or even high schools. some of the things that are being taught on the high school level about what is or isn't true or is or isn't um acceptable i think we're damaging um, children, high school students are still children, but we're damaging them mentally to thinking that those behaviors or lifestyles or decisions are acceptable and normal. We are setting those people up for a lifetime of failure, pain, suffering, depression. They're for, never going to fit in. For 40-year-old children, like you were talking about earlier. I mean, and that's kind of the same, same thing. And we're reaping, we're reaping the, the benefits of the damage that we've done for the last however many years with some of that thinking. And because it's becoming more prevalent and more weird and more outlandish, it's only going to get worse. So put you and your wife in today's time, but you guys 10 years ago, 12 years ago, would you guys think about homeschooling? Is that something you guys would think about? Um, We talked uh, a little bit about that, um, but I, I think you have to do it for the right reasons. Right. Um, I do think it was interesting that there was a spike in homeschooling during COVID. I think that says something about what parents were fed up with right. as far as what schools were doing, particularly public schools. Um, and if public schools um, 
you know, we're doing so well, then why do so many people send their kids to private schools? And if they had the option with the, uh, school choice. Yeah. Why would so many people, why do, why do so many public school teachers send their own children to private schools? Right. But teach at a public school. Exactly. There's, there's your answer right there. (laughs) And those same public school teachers don't want there to be a choice. So talk about hypocrisy. Right. Yeah. They'll Uh, never, they'll never speak on it, but they'll, they'll do it. But yeah, like you're such hypocrites. Like, so, um, I think if you're going to do it, I was homeschooled briefly as a kid. Both of my parents have teaching degrees. I've been, I was homeschooled, went to private school and went to public school. So was was the homeschooling because of the air force stuff or was that, I think it was because of, uh, where we were at with, with our family dynamics, having moved as much as we had, uh, we also had been missionaries for a year. Um, and then just the different things that were going on. Um, I was homeschooled for a year, then went to public school, then homeschooled for a year in between on the outside of that going to private school. So like I got all those experiences in a matter of like five years, like all three different wow. settings of school. And there's, there's good and bad to all three of yeah, them. Right. There's, there's benefits and there's, you know, downsides to all three of them. So your whole family went on a missionary? Yeah. Our whole so family. So where did you guys go? We spent a year in Guam. So that's in the, the Marianas Islands, South Pacific, um, South of Japan. Like at what age? Yeah. I was first grade when that happened. Well, just right in the voluntold age. Right yeah. There. Yeah. You're voluntold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember so much of it, even though I was that young, because it was so different. Yeah. Like it was tropical in many ways, but it was not a paradise in many ways because it was so isolated. That uh, would be, a, that's a, that's a massive learning experience at first grade just to oh, yeah. get your eyes open to something like that. Yeah. So you've experienced a lot in your, how old did you say you were? 40, 40 45, 45, crusty 45. <laughs> that is crazy. You, you, there's a lot of things. I thought I knew you pretty well. Do I well. feel like an old man now? Do I feel <laughs> no, like not an old man? You're not old at all. Uh, it's just, I, I didn't realize it's very yeah. experienced. I didn't yeah. realize some of this. You, you brought up a lot of things I didn't yeah. realize about you. Yeah. Um, which is great. It's, it's awesome. We also had foster kids growing up. I knew that. Uh, and you, most you of you talk to me about that. Most of our foster kids were of other ethnicities. Yeah. You know, they were not white kids. They were Hispanic. Yeah. They were mixed. They were native American. Which added a whole nother element to that experience. Right. So you, you got to experience that early. Yeah. And that was something, you know, my parents, uh, with their Air Force background, uh, both my mom and dad are from large Catholic families, um, you know, and, and grew up in, I would say, predominantly white areas. But their Air Force experience introduced them to people from all over the world. Yeah. And something that was always created um, in our household is we had people from all nationalities all the time over at our house, speaking different languages, different backgrounds, different colors of skin, different. And so my parents were always welcoming of people who were different. Right. Um, and that was a great lesson that was taught to me. And I didn't even think of it. But what it helped me develop was my mom said, I don't care who it is. You treat them with respect. You don't, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like them, but you, I don't care if they're a different color. I don't care if they have special needs, a disability, you treat everybody with respect. And my mom and dad were great in how they showed that. Um, and so I've always felt like I could talk to anybody. I, I could interact with anybody. And, um, even if I don't agree with you, I can still get along with you. I can still work with you or, you know, we can still have a respectful relationship. So, and I think that's something that, 
unfortunately has been lost on a lot of people is whether it's because we think different religiously, political affiliation, racially, whatever it is, sexual identity, and I hate those people or I'm not talking to those people at all. I think a lot of that goes back to how you're raised as a kid. <clears throat> I grew up in the livestock world, ag business, but like everybody is earned, everybody gets respect. And I'm really big on that. Like you, when I first meet you, I'm going to respect you. You have to lose respect. Mm. Like, and that's the way I've always lived my life is I'm going to respect you until you burn me or do whatever. And then you probably lose it at that point. But, and that's kind of, that was taught to me as a young child. Like mm -hmm. you just, like you said, you, you treat everybody with dignity. Everybody is a human, whether, whatever they have going on. Um, and then you can go from there. And I think there needs to be a lot more of that in the world. Yeah. And it feels like we have lost uh, quite a bit of that to a degree. We just instantly, as soon as we find out somebody's on the other side of that issue, we just condemn everything about them. Yep. I, I was lucky too. I got to. Uh, at a young age, go to Michael Jordan's basketball camp out oh, in California. Cool. So I was introduced to kids from Compton, you know, all different ethnicities and got to have conversations and getting introduced that early to something like that mm -hmm. was great for me. Cause then I grew up, you know, the same way yeah. Got to learn, you, you respect the people for who they are. If you know, until they give you a reason not to. Mm. And it was, it was, a, it, that was a great experience to be able to just see all these, you know, we had people, you know, Yao Ming was there. So people got to, you know, there was a lot of, People from China there, there was a lot of all different ethnicities. It was great. It was an awesome time. Yeah. And I think too, when you can, when you can do that at an early age, that helps to alleviate some of those, you know, the reason we're fearful uh, a lot of times is because we don't know. Right. I, I don't know those people yeah. or those kinds of people. Right. Or, again, whatever it is, it could be skin color or cultural difference or whatever it is. Um, and as, as soon as you can get rid of that fear and that unknown and go, oh, they, they're a lot like me, you know, their, their family dynamic or, oh, they, oh, shoot. Like, they like Michael Jordan too. Yeah. They like they, basketball yeah. too. Yeah. Like it just, it helps to break down those barriers that so many times separate people that it, it shouldn't. I right. think, uh, a lot more, more competition would be better too, as a young child competing in whatever you're going to compete in. I mean, I've. As a kid, I competed in sports. I competed in showing cattle. I competed in speech contests. I competed in resume building, sales contests, whatever you wanted to compete in. And it, it creates respect between people that you don't know. And I think competition builds com camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of the competition has gone away. Is like, oh, you win no matter what. With that, no that participation kind of the, trophies. The, yeah. yeah, the participation <laughs> trophy. I think we've, we've, also, we've also made it um, that failure is a bad thing. And we've made it that I only feel good if I win. You only learn from failure. And and that, you know. Which I hate failure, but. I, I don't think anybody likes to yeah. fail. But, you, but everybody's going to fail at some but, point. But failure is such a great teacher and can also be a great motivator to find out, man, I'm not good enough. It's the best motivator, I, in my opinion. I, yeah. Not only am I not good enough, I'm not even close to being good yeah. enough. Whether it's athletics or academics or business or Hey, your customer service is really shitty, like horrible. I mean, like, <laughs> right. but, but, but we've, but we've, now people don't care about hearing that their customer service is yeah, good. sucks. They and don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I think that again, we've, we've been taught or, or have learned, um, we, we should only feel good. We should only feel successful. And if we ever feel bad about something, that thing that's making us feel bad is bad. Ignore it. Yeah. And, and you should never feel bad about yourself. 
Then we need then we need to get our opioids and, and feel nothing. Yeah. Everybody's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. 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 Everybody's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. No so, matter what. No, I think failure, you know, and I I look back and and I failed at so many things because I was willing to try new things and 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 experiment and be different and take chances. But those failures are what made me successful because I then learned off of that failure. Hey, that's that was a horrible idea. Here's what we need to do differently. Just like an inventor, you know. Yeah. Thomas Edison, or um, how many times you got to blow something up? Yeah. Before you- again, failure and failure and failure and failure and failure. But then finally, you find what works, and you know the re- the reward that there is then for yeah. that. Instead of just going, I failed, and so I'm gonna stop. I'm never gonna try to try this again. Well, think about so like WD forty. You guys know where WD forty comes from? It's got fish oil. I know. Well, so we're like why it's called WD-40? No. So WD-40 stands for Water Displacement uh, Formula Number 40. It was the 40th try at them trying to get a water displacement deal. And now it's one of the most used lubricants of all time. It wasn't even invented for a lubricant. And that's what it is now. Hmm. So, yeah, if they would have failed... If if they would have quit after failure the first time... Yeah. 39 times. Yeah. I'm never going to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. That's it's insane. So just real quick on your two boys. You they're both in college. They now. are mine. I, 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 am I am the father. I'll have to talk to your wife and make sure, but yeah. You are the father. Uh walk me through some of the process for some of our young listeners. Uh, Picking colleges, helping them. Did you? Did you? Were you involved in the process oh, yeah. a lot? Or a money was a big part of it. it. Again, the financial, the financial aspects. There were a couple of schools. I'll take our um, younger son because uh, soccer was was going to be a major influence of where he went to school. But even some of the private schools that he had offers at with scholarship did not make financial sense. We've saved money. We've we've had um, grandparents, uh, his grandparents, involved with saving for his college education, both our boys. Uh, but we go, it's irresponsible to send you to a school for this dollar amount per year, knowing that you're going to graduate in four or five years with X amount of dollars in debt. Right. That, as a parent, yeah, I would be a fool to do that to my child. And again, I think it's criminal to do that very criminal to set my kid up for that level of failure um because he's not gonna pay that off uh for decades most likely um and so you know that was a big part of okay well that eliminates that school uh that that eliminates and what's the purpose you know why are you going to school uh our oldest son early on i would say um seventh grade maybe eighth grade knew he wanted to go into engineering and knew School of Mines, Rapid City, that's where he was going to go. I mean, like, there were a couple other considerations, and we made some visits, but as soon as we hit that campus, boom, over, done. He he was very driven, motivated, and knew what he wanted to do. Um, and the, the financial aspects were like, this makes sense. With, with what you have available and what you're qualifying for and what's going to be out of pocket. This makes sense. Um, so financially, that was a big part of it. What are you wanting to get out of the college experience? Both our, our boys are very different in their interests and skills and talents and what they're wanting to do. 
um, which is why for our younger son, it made more sense to go to a community college. He wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do career-wise. Um, and so, hey, community college, knock out your gen eds, give yourself some time to um, explore some opportunities. And luckily they had Still a pretty good sports. soccer program. Yeah, yeah, and the soccer aspect uh, was a good fit as well. So I think it's, as a parent, what are you wanting your child to get out of the college experience? Um, is it, is it sports? Is it academics? Is it a particular field? You know, if it's nursing or, you know, there obviously are, there are some schools that are a better fit for certain, uh, fields. Um, but is, is my child the, the type of individual who's going to be successful at school? I saw plenty of people in the two different schools that I w- was at, um, that, should not have been at college. <laughs> it's just like, just, <laughs> it just wasn't a good fit for them. Right. Like that was a mistake. And the money that was spent, right. You know, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. And I go, even if you just went for a year, that's a it's hell a of a lot of money to spend on to make some bad decisions. But it's good to let yeah. them let you kind of let them think of some places and then you kind of walk them through the process. Right. You kind of help them. They gave you what they kind of wanted to do. And then you. Yeah. And, you know, we we made college visits in in different states, um, different sizes of schools. I like that. that you, private, you didn't like try to keep it in Nebraska. No, you know? private and public. And again, considering the different aspects of, hey, if you went to this school, you're probably only coming home at semester break. Is that what you want to do? If you go to this school, this you're is, living there. Yeah, this is this is the advantage of it's in a warmer climate. It's in, you know, the different aspects of if you're playing a college sport, you're not working. You know, you're so do you want to be in a smaller town? Do you want to be in a bigger town? Do you want to be at a university that's got 25,000 students? Do you want to be at a university that's got 4,000 students? Just right. those different things that you have to consider and, you know, some kids they just freak out going to a large school. It's too much. It's, I went from sensory overload. Yeah. I went from a town of 5,000 to now I'm at a school of 25,000 right. and oh my God. Um, so again, as a parent, I think uh, you have a responsibility to set your kid up for success. Uh, am I setting them up for success or am I setting them up for failure by where I'm allowing them to go or telling them to go or assisting them um, to go somewhere? That's well, well put. I like that. I just like that you, you, it was more of a process with both of you. You guys kind of both came together and with your, with obviously with your wife too. And yeah. Went and looked at places and that, that's good. I like that. Um, we're kind of getting to the end here, but, uh, finally we're going to get, I know we're going to get a little political, uh, with an election year coming up. How do you feel about where the state of the country is right now? And do you feel that we are being well represented at the federal and state levels? Oh, it's so messed up. And I have a hard time not being uh, cynical. Um, you can or, be as cynical as you want. I think we all are. Yeah, Everybody's cynical. I, but I don't want to be. Um, I love America. I, 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 I think we are so fortunate to live as many problems as we have. I think we are so fortunate to live in the country that we live in, the freedoms that we still enjoy, um, even as bad as things maybe are in certain areas of our country or with our political system or take your pick of inflation, gas prices, food prices, whatever. We are so fortunate compared to so many other places in the world. Um, Having said that though, I think our political system is about as broken as it could be. Um, And 
and maybe as ineffective as it could. I mean, it could always get worse. <laughs> I don't yeah, want it. it could. I don't want it to get worse, but it, so it's hard. Um, disillusioned is another word that I think of. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Like my vote doesn't matter anymore. And I get that from, so I, I just interviewed Chase Carter. He's, he's, mm-hmm. I think he's 20, 19 or 20 and he feels very much that way. Yeah. He I think that's something we really got to work at. And <clears throat> and I know it's, it's getting to people thinking their vote doesn't matter, but I think that's a defeatist mentality yeah. and that, that'll only breed bad things if you get that mindset and because it, it feel it also feels like the the candidates or the options have become more extreme very um you know almost cartoonish um i've only voted i have voted in every presidential election since i've been 18 okay there hasn't been a presidential election i haven't voted in having said that i haven't voted for a winning president presidential candidate uh only one time in the last i think six times i voted in a presidential election really now i'm a registered independent okay uh but having said that um i i think the candidates have gotten weirder yeah um which is really at, at the same time you go in a country of our size how do how is this who it came down to right um there were things about um, President Trump that for me, if I, if I simplify things, the best thing about him is that he did not have a 40 year political history. Right. Okay. There are way too many candidates that have been in politics for 40 years. Way too well, long. even that, in the Senate and the house, they just everything. need to go. They just got to get rid of them. Um, and so that was maybe the best thing about him. There are plenty of faults. Can't shut his mouth. Can't, you know, just, <laughs> yep. But there were also plenty of things about him in the sense of uh, being a maverick. I'm going to do what I think is right and F everybody else. Right. Um, So there was that figure. And then you've got President Biden now who I never felt like I think he's probably a nice guy, but I never felt like he's going to be a good president. I always thought. We had, like you talked about, we had 40 years of him. We haven't, we've had yeah. 50 years of him in politics. And that, we know and what he was. And, and that's something that I have a real problem with. Anyone who has served in politics at any level for an extended period of time, I don't care what color they are, what letter they're representing, they need to be done. Yep. Because once you're in power... You don't want to let go of that power. And the more power you obtain, the longer you're in, the more power you get. And the harder it is to let go and to be objective and not influenced. The, the biggest problem with that, I, I, I'm a big proponent of term limits. I do find I'll play the devil's advocate sometimes on it, though, like the Rand Pauls and the Ron Pauls of the world, the ones that are going to fight all the time, but they're in, but they are trying to disrupt the status yeah. quo. It We can't get those people in yeah. if we're getting rid of the term limits, but maybe we don't have to have them yeah. if we do have term limits. Um yeah, so I think there's there's too much of that career lifelong politicians, which I think is really bad for our entire system. I, th- I think that's a horrible. If there's no chance of you getting fired because you're doing a bad job, then why would you ever care about the yeah. bad job that you're doing? Right. Much much less the amount of wealth yeah. that is amassed. Public by, servants yeah. should not become millionaires. Or you're a public or, servant. Or billionaires. Or, billion, or billionaires. Yeah. And that's and that's you know that's really. 
not just sad, but disgusting, the amount of financial gain yeah. that and without you, contributing anything to society yeah. they've never been in the private sector so i i don't know how any of that gets gets fixed um because i think it is so bad uh just the system in general and and the parties in general and and because there's such an unwillingness to work on yeah. issues um it is all about finger pointing and smearing and and trying to make you look as bad as possible yeah. it's not about Hey, I want to help America. I really want to help our country be better. Um, it, it's, it doesn't feel like that at all. So um, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist. And I don't have a lot of faith in... I'll use Mike Flood as an example. and Because I think he's doing a lot of, a lot of good things. Rob Dover, I think, doing a lot. The challenge is going to be the longer they're in, are they able to maintain their integrity? Their political integrity, right? Um, because I do think both of them have have done a number of 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 things for Nebraska and locally, um, and and now trying to on a larger scale. But that's always been the challenge for anyone. They start out that way, but then it is compromise, and then within years or a decade, that's not the person I elected. That's not the individual that that is right. representing me any longer. So I hope that doesn't happen. Um, the odds are not in their favor, unfortunately. And they've both, both of them have said things and done things that I go, hell yeah, hell yeah, keep it up. Um, but because I've seen it happen so many times, I go, mm, okay, but how long is it going to last? Right. So with, with you being a registered independent, how, what's your feeling on the two party system? Obviously you're not on either side of that. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you feel like it's, it's something that's. I think it's broken. Like you said, it's the the system's broken in general. Yeah. But when we've got so Vance and I are both conservative, so we talk a lot on other our other podcasts about how you've got infighting mm -hmm. during a presidential election, which helps yeah. nobody. Yeah. On one side of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. On one side of it. And then the same thing's happening on the other side. And it's like, yeah, you're fighting for position to be the Republican candidate and mm -hmm. the Democratic candidate, but then you're you're just it's just mudding the waters for everybody else. Yeah. And it, it it really frustrates me because then you never get the full political opinions or aspirations of what that person really wants to do. Trump yeah. was one of the few that actually, you know, said a lot of what he wanted to do and mm -hmm. then and did most of it. There's some things he obviously didn't do, whatever. But now they're all. And I, we we played Vivek the other day and CNN Vivek, and Vivek I keep saying whatever <laughs> Vivek. He was on CNN and they tried to get him to. Bash Trump. Uh, bash Trump. They yeah. said that, you know, he said he called, I don't remember what the, um, whatever. He, they said that he's called somebody vermin or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he deflected and just kept saying, we're not going to, I'm not going to sit here and bash Trump. I'm here yeah. to tell you what I'm going to do as president. Yeah. Like, and I liked that about him. And it's like, I just, I, I just don't get, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the, of the system, the way the system's set up anymore yeah. because it's just infighting. And, and I, again, because it's so, so broken and contentious and divisive and I don't know how that gets fixed or how that, you know, a third party candidate doesn't seem likely or realistic that, and, you know, and I've, the closest one was Ross Perot. And I voted, I have voted that way. Um, there's also been a, a time or two where I've done a writing candidate presidentially because right. I, I, I go I can't and even though I know this person has zero chance to win and people go you're dumb for voting that way but at the same time 
I can't in good conscience vote for a candidate that I don't think is going to be helpful as a presidential leader. I'm okay with that. And you should be able to vote for who you yeah. want to vote well, for. Well, I know, but I but I also, when I'm writing that in, I go, this feels horrible. Well, because I, 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 I take I voting. I did it. I, I take it personally. Like I but love I t- it. But I t- but I take it. I take it very seriously. I d- I think voting is a is such a privilege that so many of us don't don't take advantage of. And there's so many people that have fought and died for us to have that privilege and that right. That I take it very seriously. I don't just go in there willy nilly and put Ronald McDonald. Like on, you're not putting on, yourself or no. Yeah. But I think no. a write in a write in candidate is it's still a better thing than not voting. Yeah. Like I look at it as a, I think you are a bad candidate and you're my only choice. I think you are so bad. I'm going to write somebody else in. And I mean, I wrote two people in, in the last, in the midterms, in the state elections, just because I wasn't going to vote for those people. It doesn't. It's one of those things. I I couldn't do it. I'm not going to vote for this one because I I just, I'm diametrically opposed to this person. And you, I don't trust you. I don't believe in you. I'm going to, I don't care. I'm going to Donald Duck's going to be yeah. my right hand. Just what I go to. I just, I feel, I feel bad. Not guilty, but I feel. Feel like you cheapen this. Yeah, because I, I feel like, man, how is it this bad? How, how are the options this? It's like, you know, do you want to drink poison or do you want to drink antifreeze? Or, you know, like, right. I, I feel like the, it's bad either way. And I feel like I'm. Even though I'm wanting to make it better, I don't feel like I'm helping to make it yeah. better. And and then again, that's how I feel. Um, what is it that I can do at this point to make a positive change within our political abilities? But at least you're voting. That's my yeah. thing. At least you're voting. Yeah. There's a lot of people that just don't yeah. vote. And if that, they don't like the candidates, they just don't go vote. And that's fr- frustrating, especially as some of those um, there's elections a lot of- have been. And there's a lot of local elections beyond that. Yeah. Like, it starts at your local yeah. election. Like everybody thinks it's all the present. No, it starts at your local government. Like yeah. you can, it's what affects you the most is your local government, then your county government, yeah. then your state government, and then your, yeah, your federal government affects you. But yeah. we need to get your, if, you, if you're having issues, you need to shore up your local first and then move and, out. And that's where, um, you know, I, especially I would say the last five years of probably my radio career, maybe the last 10, I tried to get involved with things on a local level, whether it was politically related or volunteer related, charity related uh, organizations um, that I thought were worthwhile to be a part of is where can I make a difference locally? Because I felt, and I still feel this way, I can't make as big of an impact nationally, right. but I can make an, an impact locally. Big impact. So how can I help serve? And if it's the school board, if it's the city council, if it's, again, a civic organization, l- let me put my energy and my effort there um, because there are so many of those organizations that need help. There aren't enough volunteers. There aren't enough people that are willing to do those things. And I can have a greater impact there and a greater influence and do something uh, for the greater good um, with my time versus just fretting over, man, our country's a wreck, and I hate the political system. I also I didn't. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you can go. Ahead. I, I was going to say that I I didn't like not saying that Josh isn't doing a good job. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I didn't like that he was unopposed. Yeah, at, in the last election. Yeah, I, I thought that was, and I talked about this with Andrew. I'm like, it's nothing that Josh did. I just don't think there should ever be a. Yeah, I think he was disappointed too. Very, he was Josh very was, disappointed. Yeah. yeah, and it's like that. That just. Um, 
And for the people, so you bring up a good point because I, I brought this up as well. For all the people that hate him, where are you at? How come right. you're not running? Yeah, exactly. If he's, if he's such a horrible mayor right. and such a criminal and all these other right. things, these allegations that people right. will make, how come you're not running? Right. That's we, what I was saying. We have a big city. That's what I want to say to Jim McKenzie. And I got nothing personally against Jim McKenzie. I want to bring but, him on. But he represents, and I, I know Jim through some 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 things, uh, but he represents people who like to complain. Right. You have a right to complain. Exactly. But what else I also want to say is, tell me something good. Right. Not just about Josh, but tell me something good about the city of Norfolk. Because right. you used to work for the city of Norfolk, Jim. Right. So what, was it that bad while you were working for the city of Norfolk or just since you've been not working for the city of Norfolk? Exactly. Exactly. So and I'm all for both sides. It's just. Yeah. But, but again. But don't complain if you're not going to go run. Right. And and that's. That, I mean, complain if you want to. But I didn't like. I just didn't like that he was unopposed. What are you going to do to be a part of the solution? Right. We can all recognize the problems. Right. And again, whether it's city council. Or it's, the people that don't go to council meetings. Like if you have a voice and you feel you want to give a voice. Yep. Go to the meetings. Yep. Serve on the school board. Right. If. if yeah. We can all recognize the problem and, and see that there's something that needs to be fixed. But. What There's are, also subcommittees. Yeah. But a lot of them are the same people because nobody nobody wants yep. to go do it. Yep. And somebody has somebody has to do it. Yeah. So, so like I when you bring up like there's civic, there's there's everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lots of volunteer stuff. I don't think people realize and I know it's tough. Like I grew up I grew up my mom volunteers a lot of stuff, a lot of time and we got voluntold kind of <laughs> that's yeah. why I bring that up yeah. voluntold. I mean, it's fun. Um but I don't think people realize that, yeah, maybe you don't want to do it, but once you're done doing it, it actually feels really good. Yeah. Anytime you volunteer for anything, yeah, you don't, it's like I could be doing something better, Yeah. but by the end of it, you've actually contributed something and I think people don't realize how good that makes you feel mm -hmm. like it's like a dopamine hit basically that you are helping somebody that you, I mean, you are providing something to somebody. I don't regret volunteering. Yeah, ever. In, in the different organizations that have been now, maybe my time was up, you know, hey, hey I did that for a couple of years and I, I need to move on to a different group or, but I've never volunteered or helped any of those organizations and go, man, that was a waste of my time. Yeah. Right. Those kids weren't worth it. <laughs> like, yeah. what did I do this for? Yeah. Even, even if it's monetarily. So, like, even if I can't always have the time to do stuff, I yeah. love doing the stuff with the radio, doing, sure. doing the Super Bowl. I can Bowl. give to that cause. I can sponsor that. I doing can, the fixes in the field. Like, yeah. that was, I always felt good doing that and, and yep. getting to go and meet people and, and doing all that is is great. Um, and you need all of that. You, you, you need you need the, 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 people man, that can the do man power. Yeah. You need that. The woman power. Yeah. Make sure we're being equal. Make sure we're being equal. Non-binary. Whatever power. You need the financial aspect. And uh, you, uh, you're right that, that sometimes we forget that. And I shouldn't feel guilty. You should feel guilty if you're doing nothing. Yeah. Right. That should bother you. Yeah. But if if you can only volunteer, then volunteer. Yeah. If you can only give and it's twenty bucks or whatever, yeah. great. Some people can give two thousand dollars. That's great. Yeah. They don't have the time to be involved, but they they give generously out of their finances. There's, Likewise, people that that I can only volunteer two hours a month. Well, great. That two that's hours two hours is, more than somebody and else. Make, and you're making a difference in that person's life or that organization's life. And I do want to say on this podcast, we, we do want to be to a point where we can really give back to the city, too, in the area. Mm -hmm. Is that a, a goal of ours? Is that court mandated? No. <laughs> not yet. No, not yet, <laughs> anyway. It may be, we're going to keep that it, in the back. It might, it, it might, be, might be paid in fines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not sure who we're going to get fined by. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, 
but no, we, I, I've enjoyed having you on today. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I I'd love it. to have you again. I, I told you a, a time frame that we were trying to stick yeah. to before. We yeah. could probably talk for another yeah. hour. No. no, and I think, uh, you know, that's going to be the challenge just moving forward is um, just the, the, the content. Not, yeah, maybe who you're having on, but what is it that you're talking about? What yeah. is it that they're sharing? And again, are people willing to open up? Are you willing to r- really give your your thoughts, your your heartfelt uh, insight on some of that stuff. Well, what's, what's funny about the, the, the prep for this one is I didn't know for sure if I was going to have enough content. Yeah. And I got to, I mean, I haven't had to do this yet on, <laughs> on another podcast. So I don't know why there's that many questions. There, I don't really, know why. But the, the funny, the funny part was, was great about you is that yes, there was that many questions, but you hit them. You, already hit them. you hit them. <laughs> like you hit so many of them before I, was I could even off. get to no. them. Yeah. Well, not all of them. No, I, I, enjoyed, I, them I, I enjoyed it. So, and, and uh, it, this was refreshing to do something because this is different than what I've done before. And so I was curious to see what you guys would do and, and how you do it. And I wish you guys all the best. I really do. I appreciate um, it. Especially the fact that you're wanting to do stuff on a local level and, and reach and engage people. Cause I do think you're right. There's something that's maybe missing in that, that um, scope. Um, so I wish you guys the best and, and I hope it, hope it goes well for you and just keep grinding away. I think there's a lot of people in this area that people don't really know. Like a lot of people that are known nationally or in, in their respective fields are known. They're just big people that mm-hmm. people don't really realize that's what we have in our, yeah. our, uh, community here. There's so. some cool people in this area Yeah, and we're, we're planning on bringing all of them on. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, you know, you said you, you wouldn't do any podcasts or whatever, and we really appreciate you. <laughs> Well, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that, that my podcast would be good because, uh, <laughs> again, I'm I'm used to the live um, element and the audience interaction, and and this is different. But I'm not saying it's it's better or less than or you're just not used to being to talking about yourself in this in this uh, light, I guess. Yeah, uh, that's a little bit different, but. Um, no, I think I think you guys have the potential to 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 build something and and make it make it a a local um, attraction for people and something worthwhile. You know, like I said, there's there's plenty of podcasts out there that is just noise. There's just so many podcasts. There's just too many too many voices out there, and you're going, do I really want to listen to puppies watching movies podcast? <laughs> like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Well, again, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'd love to have you on again if we can figure out a way to talk to my booking agent. Yeah, I, I had to talk to them to get <laughs> you here in the wife. first place. Call yeah, my yeah, wife. yeah. But anyway, uh, make sure you guys check this out. Check out the next one. We'll give you guys out some uh, some links on on Facebook, and we're gonna maybe make a TikTok before we leave. Will you let me know if this beats McCarthy? By oh, the way, I will. I, I will about. publicly we'll make just, that. We known. might put that running running tally up on our page, just like it's nip and tuck. I all I want to do is he doesn't have Facebook, so it was hard yeah. to actually get like his followers to yeah to be aware of it. So you yeah. you were on Facebook and you have a lot of followers. I just so. want to do a screenshot of the numbers. That's all. <laughs> I, I will. All I care about is doing a screenshot and texting him. I, I will it. make it public. I will make it public. So <sighs> yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we'll it. we'll make it public for sure. Also, uh, you, if you want to, we're doing this thing with Jose. We're gonna go do our I, I forget what it's called the methyl 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 test or methyl. I can't remember what he said either. I've never done meth. <laughs> you what, you need to try a, it. There's always a first. You, for you need to try it. It's 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 a it's a nutrient deficiency test. Oh, okay. But you're in shape, so. Yeah, but that would be interesting. It gives you your bio, biological age. Yeah. Oh, like God. very interesting. Yeah. So, you so might, I might give you a call. I mean, yeah. might gain a couple days. What do years, I have to? What know. what what goes where in order to take just that a test? Swab. Okay, okay. It would just be funny to see you're you're, very, you're a very healthy guy. You're, you don't look like us two. 
So it'd be funny to see the two the two big guys and the and yeah. The but sometimes you, you take those tests and they are not what you think it I is. Would, I would agree. Like with you. you are surprised to find out. Right. You've got whatever. Yeah. It would just be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, if you find something good out, it's fun. But <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what we told you. Have them. the bones of a ninety year old. Right. So yeah. we were gonna do it. And then not read the results and have Jose oh, come on and read the results. Yeah. That's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna yeah. find out. I'm yeah dying. Yeah. In yeah. Two, <laughs> ten days, yeah. Yeah. You've got a tumor in your penis. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? What happened? It's actually shrinking. <laughs> it's gonna fall off in ten days. Yeah. No, but you, yeah, appreciate you guys. Appreciate yeah. you. Thank we you. We will. Uh, we'll see you guys on this great time. conversation.